everybody. Welcome back to the Stephanie Bree Show. I am your host. My name is Stephanie Bree, and it is time for another fabulous journey into the crazy, twisted, warped, LGBT queer mind of myself and the crazy world that I'm bringing you along into. I had a pretty exciting week this week. A lot of good things happened, a lot of interesting things and not so good things happened, but I got a lot done. And so I'm proud of that. I'm very excited. And I've made some progress in my life in a lot of different ways. So yay! Uh, I got a good show today. Lots and lots of topics. For video games, we're going to be asking the question, do we even need a Switch Pro? I mean, is the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, is it really that outdated? Do we need to upgrade it? Let's, let's, let's dive into that. For horror, we're going to explore something different. We're going to talk about the weird but twisted world of horror collecting and what I think of it. For movies, I want to discuss problematic movies. These are movies that maybe in their time we liked when they were new, but today we look at them and we cringe. <sighs> do they really just do, say, or think that thing or present that that outdated trope as, like, perfectly acceptable? What do we do with problematic movies? Uh, I'm going to take a couple of different angles from this, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, for the toy topic, we're talking about Care Bears. not going to get too specific at this point. For Hot Topic, we're talking about the thing whose name we do not speak. The quarantine that has us all. Huh? The whole world has been disrupted. So we're going to talk about it. I mean, you know, it's still ongoing, so we might as well dig into it. Uh, for the music topic, we're going to be talking about what's the difference between house music and techno music, and why the fuck does it even matter? Or does it matter? And who does it matter to? Or to whom does it matter? I don't give a shit how you phrase it. Huh? This week we're also adding a new segment. Yay! Supernatural discussion. So for that section, I'm just going to kind of ramble a little bit on a specific supernatural topic. This will not be horror movies. This will not be Halloween stuff. It will just be uh, more of a an exploration of the supernatural as from my perspective. So, and then for this or that, the fun little segment we do at the end of the show as chosen by y'all, the lovely viewers who subscribe to Patreon. Thank you to my two Patreon supporters so far. Y'all are amazing. I love you both. I hope you're supporting the show if you're listening to this episode. Yay! Y'all rock! Uh, this week's poll, we pitted Mario versus Sonic the Hedgehog. So that's going to be a fun one because I got lots and lots of thoughts before we get started. I have a couple of announcements. One, uh, I... Um, want to talk a little bit briefly about online dating. And the reason I want to talk about that is because your girl, me, is in an online romantic relationship with another person. We've talked about it on the show. I've mentioned her. <laughs> She's my lovely girlfriend. And it's long distance. So briefly, I just want to touch on this because I'm not talking about dating apps, but I'm saying, what do you do when you find yourself in an online long-distance dating relationship, whether it's because of the quarantine thing, pandemic, whatever, social distancing, etc., or it's they just happen to live far away because when you're LGBTQ, it's hard to meet people in your close vicinity. And, well, sometimes, especially if you're trans, it's even harder to find somebody close by that you're compatible with. Oftentimes, we have to meet somebody that's far away and connect with them and then see how things go from there. But one of the things I really have started to discover is finding unique ways to interact with one another so that it's not just 
simple phone calls or I don't want to say boring Zoom face-to-face -face talks, but you know, you want to keep things exciting, spicy, and also you want to build intimacy, right? So that's what me and my partner are exploring, and that's the trick we're running into. So one of the things we did this week um, is we set up a Zoom date. Uh, I'm calling it a Zoom date. We didn't use the Zoom app. We used a different app, but it's, I'm just going to say Zoom for shorthand because it's easier. And Skype, rest in peace, has been discontinued. And so we can't say we Skyped. <laughs> but no, we had a Zoom date where we basically watched a movie together through Netflix. She shared her screen with me, and we were able to sit together in, in the dark, quietly, watch a favorite of both of ours, a movie we had both seen before, but both enjoyed. And throughout that, we were able to make uh, comments to one another. And, and, and it really did, to me, it felt like we were sitting on the couch in the same room watching the same movie. And it definitely helped with the, the closeness. So I'm going to try to explore that as I go, how, how other ways that I can. So if you are out there in the world and you watch this or hear this, if you're one of those who get it through the podcast, or if you're one of those who get it through YouTube, whatever, however you get it, I don't care, let me know. How do you, how, what are some unique, fun, exciting things you do when you're exploring, when you're in these socially distant or just long distant uh, relationships? So let me know how you make it work. Um, fortunately, I'm going to say fortunately for the both of us, um, she's asexual and I'm undecided. And therefore, we're not necessarily in a rush to get to the... She, it's in her bio. She tells everybody she's ace. So yeah, I hope she's okay with me saying that. But I've written about it as well, my, my views. So we're not in a rush to get there. And since that's the case, it has... It, I think it's easier for us to be comfortable where we are. But I know some people are like, oh, they just need to be together. So if you're one of those people, you know, obviously share how you cope, but keep it. PG, please, because my partner does not want to read adult-oriented content in that, you know, I'm using air quotes, adult content, and I don't want to put her in an awkward position to make her uncomfortable, so please keep it PG. <laughs> We're talking Disney Channel PG, <gasps> okay? Thanks. Thanks. Uh, the other thing I wanted to share with y'all, normally throughout the show, I get to a point where, like, especially in the toy topic, I'll show off a specific toy. I'm not going to be able to do that for the next two or three episodes because I'm in the process of moving and all my toys are packed up. But I have something, it's not a toy. This is legit serious. And this is another piece of updated personal news. So this is something I want to show with y'all. It came in the mail recently. This is my rigid, um, I'm calling it idol, but it's just a statue of the goddess, the fire goddess, Celtic princess, warrior. I don't know if she's a warrior princess, but that's what I'm calling her for now. She's a she's a fire she's a triple goddess goddess of fire, um, artisans poets and uh, well smiths poets and she's a healing goddess as well so she uses water she has water magic. I got this recently through Amazon and I've recently converted to paganism. Uh, I was raised Christian. I started out just independent witchcraft and then sort of dabbled back and forth in various expressions and on. Wednesday, this past Wednesday, last week, it was the Equinox. I performed a small ceremony dedicating my heart to the goddess Brigid. She's the Celtic goddess that the British Isles are named after. The island Britain is named after her. 
Um, so, yeah, I felt a calling to her, and I feel, like, really compelled to bring her into my life. So as such, I thought it would be, you know, I could at least get a small... Uh, I don't have an altar in place yet because I can't practice at the moment where I'm currently living due to reasons, but I wanted to at least get the pieces together so that I can start when the time comes. Uh, and that's something I wanted to share because I feel freer now than ever. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to add a supernatural section to the show because I feel like it's something worth talking about. Uh, I know a lot of people are into things like ghost hunters and and similar stuff, you know, haunted castles and those kinds of things. Um, even uh, cryptozoology and that sort of stuff. Well, no, I'm going to talk about it all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down that road. I'm going to see where things go. Each week I'll try to have a topic. And I'm so excited to reveal <clears throat> the fun bumper music I picked for that <laughs> going into that segment too because, yay, it's very retro. And very. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. Fits right into the theme of the show. Uh, that's the. That's pretty much it. Uh, like I said, uh, the other thing, uh, the other thing, my partner and I have been doing, and this is this is a lot of fun, is we play online games together. Uh, specifically, what we're doing is we're both playing a, a game of Minecraft together, and this most recent session of ours, I built her a very elaborate hot tub, and I thought that was really neat. Uh, she built a giant heart made out of you know hellfire for me uh, a couple weeks ago, so I thought I would do my part to return the favor to do something that was special to me. So, you know, uh, I have something else planned. She already knows I'm working on it. I've already built a template in a creative world. <laughs> so I already know how, how it will come together. But we'll see. We'll see how, it, how if I can get all the correct blocks. But that's that might be down the road. Anyways, that's the intro. Let's go ahead and get into the show. So sit back and relax and have some fun. Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! With the Mario Brothers and plumbing's a game, we're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Uh. <laughs> okay, so normally we talk in broad strokes video game topics and I do talk a lot um, mostly when I'm talking video games it's retro video games but occasionally I'll dabble in something semi-modern specifically if it has anything to do with Sega or Nintendo or something from the 8-bit 16-bit era because that's where I'm you know most fond that's where I grew up with most of my experiences in uh, today I'm talking about the Nintendo Switch there's a lot of online rumors going around people keep saying when are they gonna make a Switch Pro when are they gonna make a Switch Pro and I don't want to get into the predictions of when are they going to do it, should they do it, or looking at past, you know, uh, consoles or handhelds or whatever and trying to say, oh, I think this is when they should do it. They've already missed their window to do it in accordance with what they should have done following their pattern. So I think we can throw the playbook out the window because the Switch is a completely new thing for Nintendo. But it's not as new as you think it is. It's sort of something they've been trying ever since the very, very beginning. Which I'm going to kind of briefly touch on all the different things that they've done over the years that have been moving us towards the Switch. Um, so before I get there, I want to ask the question, do we need a Switch Pro? I don't want to try to predict when they'll do it. I just want to ask, 
Should they do it? Do we need it? Is it is there a reason to upgrade it? And and the reason why I'm asking that question is because I think that's a more important question than when will it happen? Because if they don't feel the need to do it or they have something else coming, then it really doesn't matter when we think they should do it. If they don't think it's necessary, they're not going to do it. Which does, of, of course, beg the question, the follow-up question, what comes next? I'm not going to answer that right now, but I'm going to postulate at the end of this segment. So let's do the let's do the brief overview of everything Nintendo's done that looks like the Switch. So most people are familiar with Nintendo has quote unquote always had uh, a split uh, division, right? They've always had most of their games on the home console and most of their games on the handheld system and they split their audience. And so the story goes that Nintendo has X number of developers and so they can only make a certain number of games every year. Because of that, some of their developers, uh, programmers, artists, animators, etc., are devoted to making games for the console. And some of those team members are devoted to making games for the handhelds. And back in the 90s, when games were smaller and the teams were smaller and they didn't take as many people, they could have multiple teams working on multiple games so they could put out more games a year. So you could have 20 games a year on the NES or SNES and you can have 10, 15 games a year on the Game Boy and there wasn't much overlap because they could just churn games out especially when you're going from NES to Game Boy a lot of times they were just taking the NES game you know scaling it down essentially desaturating it and bam you were just about done it was a little more complicated than that but you know it was a lot simpler than just making a whole brand new game from scratch um, especially a game that's in you know HD and you know widescreen and you know <sighs> big open world, you know, uh, game that you can explore. So the first thing I want to do is kind of, first of all, I want to dispel that myth. Nintendo's always had two divisions. No, no, there is a time in their history when they had one machine. All of their games came out on that one machine and every Nintendo gamer in the world played that one machine. And that's the one time in the world Nintendo dominated the entire market. The, the the Wii notwithstanding, and we're going to kind of put an asterisk next to the Wii and explain why that's a little bit different than the NES, but we're also going to kind of not paint the NES as the godsend that people say it is because the NES, when people say the NES had 90% share of the marketplace, there's a lot of, that's a misleading number, and I'm not going to go into it right now. I'm just going to say they're not talking computer numbers. They're not talking arcade numbers. They're not talking, you know, other handheld numbers because, you know, pre-Game Boy handheld numbers. There's a lot of little caveats to that 90% claim that, you know, Nintendo uh, diehard fans like to throw out there. But let's push that aside for a second and let's just, let's just go with what was the first time Nintendo had a split audience? Well, that was when they were selling Game Boy and Super NES. The entire Super Nintendo run, in fact, people forget this, they had the Game Boy running side by side. The NES did not. The NES was already... Uh, you know, it was well established by the time the Game Boy came along. So Nintendo wasn't splitting their developers making games for the for the D or excuse me for the NES and for the Game Boy. They were just starting up the Game Boy, and most of it was ah, here's games we already have. And if you look at the early NES library or the Game Boy library, it was not just a lot of NES ports. It was games that were just it was arcade ports. It was games that were already made that already existed. But all they had to do was just make some tweaks. Now Super Mario Land, notwithstanding, obviously. But even if you look at it, that was not a very complex game, and it probably didn't have a massive development cycle. And that was one of the things Nintendo touted 
as a benefit to them when they launched the, the Game Boy. They would be able to make small, bite-sized games in a, you know, very fast pace so that they could build a software library in a hurry and give you a steady stream of software, which they did. They've been doing that ever since. The problem is, once we got to the Nintendo DS, the handhelds became as complicated as the consoles. And consoles, from the SNES to the N64, they didn't just go, Duh, like they did from NES to Super Nintendo. They went from Super Nintendo to N64. There was a jump. That wasn't a step, it was a jump. You could look at NES games. There are certain NES games that you compare to Super Nintendo games. And you, if you squint hard enough and you're playing it on the right TV, you'd be hard-pressed to tell which is which, which system it's running on. I mean, obviously the Super Nintendo is more powerful, but, you know, it, it wasn't... It, even when it first launched, I even remember a lot of people looking at Super Mario World and saying, I don't know. Is I mean, it looks more colorful, but until you saw them side-by-side, side, which didn't come until later... A lot of times, uh, a lot because kids' memories are kind of funky like that, it was hard to really picture. I mean, yeah, it was mind-blowing at first. It was like, wow, this is impressive. But then it was like, but then we'd play Super Mario Bros. 3 or Ninja Turtles, the Manhattan Project, or something that looked equally impressive on the NES. And we'd be like, but is it that much better? And that was the thing. But in 64, Mario 64, that was huge. But that was the king. The Nintendo knew they were making games... They knew the home console market was their primary market. The handheld was just a supplement. So what did they do? They created the Super Game Boy. This was their first attempt at a quote-unquote hybrid, merging the handheld audience and the console audience because Nintendo didn't want to split their audience in two. They didn't. That wasn't their intention. They didn't know that's what they were doing. We, in hindsight, look back and we, we can see that it's very clearly what they did. They just didn't do it on purpose. And you could tell that ever since that split, Nintendo has been taking steps to get those two back to merge, those two audiences back in sync so that they can merge them back into one again, which is what they did with the Switch. When you look at the N64 and the Game Boy Color, which was its direct counterpart, those things are, they're, they're not just miles apart, they're continents apart. You know, the, the Game Boy Color is NES and the N64 is, you know, like supercomputer compared to the NES. It's way more advanced. So how do you take an N64 game and you cram it on a, a Game Boy Advance cartridge? You don't. You just make an NES game that, you know, is based on the same concepts as the N64 game. Or you just make a whole new game. Or you just don't make that game for the Game Boy Color. So, a lot of times what, what we forget is Nintendo didn't want to split their audience. They, the Game Boy Color, to Nintendo, it was the culmination of the Game Boy. It was like, here, this is this is us finally getting the Game Boy to hit, reach its fullest potential. To them, the Game Boy Advance was the, the true next step, the, to the true successor. This was the new, more powerful hardware, more colors, more buttons, more, you know, more, you know, ergonomic hardware, more advancements and things like that, the Game Boy Advance. And then they revised that to the Game Boy Advance SP, which it's the Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color, and then the Game Boy Advance SP Micro, DS, DS Lite, DSi, 3DS, 3DS XL, 2DS, 2DS, New TDS, etc., etc. That's why people are like, oh, when, when are they going to make a Switch Pro or a Switch Revision? Well, they've already done the Switch Lite, and now they've got the Switch, I don't remember what it's called, the new Ultra Lite or whatever it's called. I don't know. I don't. Anyways, uh, but no, here's the thing. Um, the Game Boy Advance 
was the next step. The, uh, the Game Boy was a portable NES, sans color, but the Game Boy Color was basically just a portable NES. The, the GBA was a portable Super Nintendo, so Nintendo just stepped up to the next to the next level, right? Their, their handhelds were, you know, a generation behind their current gen console. They were, you know, always one generation behind their current gen console. But Game Boy Advance came out, or actually at this point it would be two generations behind, uh, because the Game Boy Advance was on the scene when the GameCube was on the market. But Nintendo tried really hard to bring, you know, not 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 just like they did with Super Game Boy when they gave you Super Game Boy, like well, here you can play your Game Boy games on your Super Nintendo. That way you could still play Game Boy games and not have to have not you know you can play them at home, play them on the TV, and not have to dig out the Game Boy and the batteries and everything. But that didn't work for everybody because there were some people that didn't have the Super Nintendo. They just had the Game Boy. Nintendo didn't want that. They wanted to sell you two machines. So what did they do in the GameCube era? They did the convoluted connectivity crap. I love the GameCube. I miss the GameCube days. Those were some of the best days in gaming, in my opinion. Uh, and I miss the connectivity because it was such a great concept. So basically, you bought a Game Boy Advance and a special cable that plugged into the GameCube controller port that let you use your Game Boy Advance as a controller for your GameCube. And then there was special interactions between the Game Boy Advance version of a game and the GameCube version of a game, or things of that nature. And you could trade back and forth. You could trade content back and forth between the two versions of the games. This was their connectivity. It was their answer at the time to online gaming because they weren't ready to take that leap yet. You know, Nintendo's a very conservative company, and so they don't like to make big, bold, money risky, risky money, you know, decisions. You know, they don't, they've got a big war chest of money they want to hold on to and just build it bigger and bigger because they're, you know, they're hoarders, <laughs> essentially. Uh, so what do they do? Uh, they wanted you to spend 200 bucks on a GameCube and $100 a piece on four GBAs and then 20 to $25 a piece on GBA link cables and then we'll say $30, $40 a pop for individual copies of the GBA game. And then, of course, another 20 to $30 a piece uh, for, for at least the, or at least another 20 to $30 for a memory card. And then, of course, 40 50 60 bucks for the GameCube game. That's what they wanted you to do. Why? Because they wanted you to get everybody on the one system. That's a lot of money. I don't know if you added that up, but that's almost $1,000 to play Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. GameCube. 200 bucks, four GBAs, that's two, you know, one, two, that's 400 bucks, so that's $600 right there. I mean, you're at like six, you're almost to seven, 800 bucks after taxes just to play, just to play Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. That's assuming you're coming in with nothing. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe you bought the GameCube and it was 100 bucks and you got the GBA when it was like, you know, 70 or whatever, but the point is, it was still, bare minimum, you were spending four or 500 bucks to play a game. That's all fucking outrageous. Even today, if you wanted to recreate that experience, it would be outrageous. It, it's insane. But Nintendo was doing that because they wanted to keep the handheld gamers on the GameCube. That's not the only thing they did to try to keep the audiences together, though. They also released the Game Boy Player, which let you play Game Boy handheld games, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games, on your GameCube as a way to keep the audiences together. So they were really pushing that, hey, if you have a Game Boy, you want to get a GameCube for the connectivity. If you have a GameCube, you want to get the Game Boy player so you can play the Game, the game Boy game so you're not missing out. Because Nintendo knew, hey, we can only make 
you know, I mean, we can't make 30 Super Nintendo games a year anymore. The N64, we can make three games a year, or four or five games a year. GameCube comes along, we can maybe make three, four games a year, five games a year, but they're more, they're bigger games, so you're looking at two or three games a year, you know? <sighs> two or three games a year is not enough. You know, you're talking a five-year console, and if Nintendo can only make, let's say, three games a year, three times five, that's 15 games. Nintendo can only make 15 first-party games in that span versus 30 games a year in that same time span, in that same five, six-year life, console lifespan. That, that's not, that, that's, that's not going to cut it. But Nintendo has to make games for the handheld because they have to sell the handheld. They can't just snap their fingers and then handheld games, you know, come out of a unicorn butt. It doesn't work that way. They have to pay a team of developers to sit down and design those games. Those developers that are making those Game Boy games are not able to help make GameCube games. So they knew the G the going forward, they knew, okay, the DS is going to be more advanced than the Game Boy Advance, which means they were going to have to focus more of their teams on Nintendo DS development, which means even fewer games were going to be available for the Wii. So what did they do? They did the they did the thing we all hate that they did. They didn't advance the technology at all. They said, here's GameCube level of technology. We're just going to stay here for five, six more years, seven more years, because we don't have to increase our teams any. We don't have to make our games any more complex than they are. And since we don't have to make the games any more complex than they already are, we're going to tack on motion controls, and we're going to make the games simpler. We're just going to bring the level down here. We're going to make DS games, DS level games, which are N64 level games, and then just pretty up the graphics a little bit, polish up the graphics for the Wii, and make simpler, easier games. Now, Nintendo, that's not to say Nintendo didn't still devote resources to the bigger projects, but look at, look at the Wii development. Nintendo did not make as many big, in-depth, what we're going to classify AAA games. Mario Kart, the party games, the Mario Party games, those are not AAA games. They sell AAA numbers because they're polished, but those are not big, massive, blockbuster games. Those are smaller party, you know, smaller party games. Those are easier to make. Smash Brothers is a big undertaking, but it's not as big of an undertaking as the new Mortal Kombat or a new, you know... Tekken, those games that they put lots and lots of detail into. So a lot of what Nintendo did was they had to scale things down a little bit. They had to pull it back. So they kept making console games at the last two generations. Oh, we're going to make our big games, our big, broad, epic games at GameCube level, because we can already do that. We've already got the assets. Those games are already made. We can just take those game engines and just make a new game. We, we've already made... Uh, for the GameCube, we've already made uh, Wind Waker. All we have to do is just change the assets a little bit. Now we've got Twilight Princess. We can reconfigure a couple of things, tack on some motion controls, and now we've got Skyward Sword. There you go. Easy peasy. We've already made Super Mario Sunshine. Hey, we make some modifications. You know, we could tweak a couple of things, add some motion controls, and bam, we've got two Super Mario Galaxy games, and we didn't have to try as hard. New Super Mario Brothers. Here we have a DS game. Let's just scale up the resolution. Tack on some motion controls, tweak some of the puzzles, and then bam, we got another game. They did a lot of that on the Wii. I'm not saying that's bad, and I'm not dogging the Wii, but I'm saying the Wii was a lot of, here's the here's the GameCube game you already own. Here's a remake of that same game. It's not a sequel, but we're calling it a sequel, even though it's really just the same game with now, now with motion controls. And there was a lot of now with motion controls. They sold you literally 
games that were just ports of GameCube games on the Wii, which was just a GameCube with motion controls. And then they sold it to you with it's instead of just here here's a pat here's an online patch to add motion controls to your favorite GameCube games because they couldn't do that. Well, they could have done that, but they didn't want to do that. They wanted to sell you another sixty dollar game that you already paid sixty dollars for five years ago. But the thing that they didn't do in the Wii is merge the audiences. Why? Because the DS was so popular. They didn't want DS gamers on the Wii, but the Wii was so popular. They didn't want Wii gamers on the DS. They didn't need that. The, the, the two systems were popular. The reason why I put an asterisk back uh, against the Wii way back in the way back is because the Wii was not in direct competition with the other systems. The Wii was down here. The other systems were up here. In terms of sales, yes, they blew the other two out of the water, but not by far. They only sold like 12 million systems more than the other two. Everyone makes out like, oh, Nintendo owned that generation. No, they did okay. They did. The, it was the first time that they actually like legitimately, quote unquote, won the console war. But I can't really say that they won. I'd say that they were fighting a different battle. You know, World War II was off over here. You know, PS3, Xbox 360, and then Nintendo's over here. You know, fighting the Martians. Who aren't even attacking us there's nobody on mars so they just like planted their flag and declared a victory that's what the wii was it's not necessarily it's not like they won the console war it's just that they went they just didn't fight they just didn't even fight they just played in the sandbox and pretended like they won the war you know because they had more fun i guess i don't know they sold more systems so how does that come back to the switch well again you look at the you look at the wii u what was it it was a you know it was a reverse of the switch right it was a it was a it was an it was an HD Wii widescreen Wii that was going to take more resources even fewer games could come out at a time which meant they had to devote you know they, they had to spend more time on remakes and scaling up 3DS games because the 3DS was just GameCube level quality games so you had this problem where they couldn't get people to buy both systems because they could only make now because the because now it takes GameCube level of development teams to make games for the 3DS. Now they can only make five or six games a year for the 3DS, and they can only make one or two games a year for the for the Wii U. That's not enough. Now some people are going to scream, your numbers are off. They, they, they clearly made more games than that. I'm talking like the same scale of games they were making. We're not talking little indie titles. We're not talking the little... We're not talking about like the smaller games that were just ports. We're not talking the little collectathons or Nintendo Land or whatever. If you look at the games that came out, there weren't a lot of like meaty games. Whereas if you look at the Super Nintendo, Nintendo made games that were on par with what was classified as the AAA games at the time. They're still making games at that level, but those games aren't AAA anymore. Yeah, if I mean if Donkey Kong Country. Tropical Freeze came out in 2007, that would be a AAA game. But in 2014, that's ugh, it's just it's not a AAA game. Because the times have changed, the expectations have changed. The Switch gets AAA titles. And it gets, you know, the Switch answered all of their problems because it basically took them back to the NES. They have one system, one audience, all of their teams are making games for this one machine, everybody wins. And the machine plays to both sensibilities. It's a handheld and it's a home console. So where do we go from here? I have a, 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 I have a speculation. I think basically they're working. They're either working towards just a straight up gaming tablet, which is essentially what the Wii or the excuse me the Switch is, but maybe with some 
typical Nintendo bells and whistles. There's a possibility they could be moving towards VR or something that's really funky, like some kind of AR-type device, more intensive device. I don't want to second-guess Nintendo, but I know they're not going to make a Switch Pro. I'm fairly certain that that's the case because they've never done that. They've never taken a system they have and beefed it up. That's not something they do. When they do hardware revisions, that's all they are. Hardware revisions. They're, you know, when they make the next iteration of their handhelds, they're usually just a step up so that they can keep, so they can buy themselves some time so that they can keep making money because they need their handheld refresh because their console sales are lacking. They don't need that with the Switch. The Switch is, the Switch is popular. It's selling. So they don't need to draw on the 3DS or draw on the GBA or draw on the Game Boy Color to pick up the slack because the GameCube, the N64, and the Wii U are all floundering. The Switch is not floundering. Nintendo doesn't need a Switch Pro because it doesn't make financial sense to them. They're not, they don't give a crap if Cyberpunk can't play on the Switch. They don't care. They, if Cyberpunk, if the developer can't get the game to work on their system, they don't care. They don't need it. And yeah, people are saying, well, I can't get games in 4K. Nintendo, the, the Wii should have been an HD console and it wasn't. The Wii U should have been a 4K console and it wasn't. The Switch should be a 4K console and it isn't. Don't expect Nintendo to give a crap about that stuff. The GameCube should have had a DVD player and it didn't. Same, the, the DS, or the... The Wii should have had a Blu-ray player, and it didn't. The Wii U had a non-functioning Blu-ray player. Nintendo doesn't care about what the other guys are doing. And I don't think we should expect them to. I don't think Nintendo needs to make a Switch Pro, and I don't think the audience is there for a Switch Pro, because Nintendo will make whatever comes next, it's not going to be a Switch Pro. It's going to be a whole new system that doesn't look anything like what they have now, because they have never just made the same thing over and over again. You know, people will say, well, they've done that with their handhelds. They have it with their consoles, but here's the thing. The Switch isn't a handheld. The Switch isn't a console. The Switch is a tablet that hooks up to your TV, but you can plug controllers and accessories into. That's very Nintendo. I don't want to try to predict what they're going to do next, but I'm pretty sure they're not just going to beef up the processor, give it a faster CPU, faster RAM, better GPU and, you know, bump it up to 4K and say, here we go, here's the new system. That's not Nintendo. That's Sony. That's Microsoft. That's what Sega would have done, and Sega's not in the business anymore, the hardware business anymore. No, that's not Nintendo. Nintendo won't do that. Don't expect Nintendo to do that. If you're expecting Nintendo to do that, you either don't know Nintendo very well, or you don't play Nintendo like the diehard Nintendo gamers do. Because Nintendo's got multiple facets to their fan base. Where do I fall? Unfortunately, I ran out of money recently. I had to sell my Switch. I don't have the money to buy another one, and I'm not buying one anytime soon. And they're not going to win me over to buy a new one with a Switch Pro, because I I don't have any use for it. If I'm going to buy a new console that's beefy and pl to play current games, I'm going to buy a PS5. Because the Switch wasn't even on par with my PS4. And I have a PS4 because I, when I'm playing console games, I want that horsepower. I don't want compromise. The Switch, to me, is supposed to be compromise. It's handheld. But it's it's handheld games at near console level. But it's not my. it was never my primary console. 
it was always my handheld. It was my Nintendo handheld. I had a PS4 and a Switch. If, I, if they make a, a successor to the Switch and I'm in a financial position to buy it, I'll have a PS5 and whatever the thing is. I will never have just a Nintendo console. I sat through the N64. I sat through the GameCube. I sat through the Wii U. I'm never going to do that again. I will never make Nintendo my primary console. That is three times I got burned. And the Wii was even worse. The Wii was a total train wreck for me. So there you go. Those are my thoughts. Uh, stick around and let's see what my horror topic is. Stay cool. You know how sometimes I talk about horror movies? You know sometimes I, how I sometimes talk about comic books and comic book collecting and toys and collectibles? You know what I've never talked about? Horror collecting. But what is horror collecting? So this is a new concept to me. I only even discovered it like earlier this year, late last year. Horror collecting is when you buy things that not necessarily buying movies like DVDs, VHS, Laserdiscs. That's an ass. That's a facet of it. That's absolutely a part of it. That's just DVD collecting. That's movie collecting. Yeah, maybe you're a horror fan. Even maybe if you go a step above and beyond that, you love horror comics. You collect horror comics too. That's a part of it. Maybe you collect horror toys. Now that's a sticky one. There's not a lot of horror toys. There's not. I mean, there are adult collectibles. NECA makes a lot of toys that appeal to the horror fan. They've they've got a lot of toy lines or action figure lines, collectible lines that target horror fans. I myself have a few. I've got a Freddy Krueger, a high high end Freddy Krueger. I've got a mid end toon, terror tune Freddy Krueger. I've got a Jason. I've got a uh, Michael Myers. I've got a Gremlin, the girl Gremlin, and a, and, and a handful handful of other what we classify horror toys. And I've got some Scooby-Doo toys. To me, those are almost horror, but they're not horror horror. But that's more like, it's not even horror light. That's like kids horror. But what about other types of collectibles? So I recently found out, I was watching YouTube, and I found a, I come across a YouTube channel or individual uh, by the name of Christian Hannah Horror. So this is sort of, not necessarily a shout out to Christian Hannah Horror, but it's sort of a, hey, this is where I got this uh line of thought he does a lot of uh horror reviews and so i was watching a lot of his reviews and he did some he's done some really good reviews he had some really good thoughts on the halloween franchise he had some really good thoughts on the uh the, the, the hellraiser franchise the child's play franchise i didn't agree with his assessment of the um what was it the little puppets the puppet master franchise but that's okay we can disagree on things but he does little horror reviews, and then every once in a while he does a video where he shows off a piece of his collection. So he shows off some of his laser discs, his DVDs, things like that. You know, 
that's I, I do that. I, I, I collect DVDs, I collect laser discs, you know, vinyl records, comic books, video games. So I always suspected that yeah, if you were a horror fan you could I mean I suppose you could be you could collect these other things but be exclusive to horror. So for example, let's say you only buy horror video games. I can see that. There's plenty of them. Even the NES has some good horror video games. You got the Castlevania games, you got the Ghosts and Goblins. I would I would put Gauntlet in there. Um what else would I put under that 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 kind of creepy banner? Um, there, there's a few other games. I don't know if I, 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 I would, you know, even though it's not, I, I mean, definitely that Manel Street game and most of the LGN games would, would fall under that. I know it's not technically horror, but you know, you got those, you got the Gremlin games, the Ghostbusters games, you got the, you know, you got Darkwing Duck. That's kind of in the horror realm. You got stuff like that. So I can see that. And then, you know, of course, you know, by the time you get to PlayStation, you've got actual horror games, survival horror games. You got Resident Evil, you got uh, Silent Hill, you got Alone in the Dark, you got Nightmare Creatures. Uh, shout out to anyone who's played Nightmare Creatures, by the way. If you haven't, check it out. If you have a, you know, if you're a certain person who likes to check things out on the digital side, there's a, you know, N64 ROM and there's also a PlayStation version. You can check one of those two out. I think there's a Dreamcast version too, but I digress. Yeah, there's some cool horror games out there. So yeah, I can see somebody only having horror games and finding plenty of games to keep them occupied. It's definitely with comic books. I, I have, I'm not going to give you a number, but I've got hundreds of comic books, some in trade paperback form, some in uh, you know floppy form, some in digital form, some in, I have subscriptions to some that come in the mail, some that come into my tablet. Uh, so I have hundreds of comic books. And I would say... 50% of my comic books are horror comics. The other 50% are everything else. So when I say everything else, I mean like, yeah, superhero comics, comedy comics, love comics, dramas, uh, life stories, mysteries, thrillers, blah, 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 blah. But 50% at least are horror. So some of my favorite comics are horror. So I can definitely see somebody collecting horror comics. Sure, but what else is there? That was the question. What the freaking crap else is there? And that's why he showed off his horror collection. He did a horror room tour. And I was like, wait, this is a thing? People actually have horror collections? What does that mean? What does that look like? So he was showing off all kinds of things I never thought about. He had, like, movie props. You know, of course, a lot of these were replicas. I would assume most of them were replicas. But he had, like, Freddy Krueger gloves. And he had, like, Jason hockey masks. And he had, like, you know, uh, just, you know, like the puzzle box from the Hellraiser movies, you know, and, and, and just little props from from the movies. But he also had busts, like heads of different characters. So he had like Jason heads and Michael Myers heads and Freddy Gunner heads and Chucky heads and Pinhead heads. <laughs> Pinhead heads. <laughs> he had all these different things. And then he had masks and he had costumes and he had full-sized, like, I don't know what you call those things, but full-sized, full like, life-sized dolls or statues or whatever. And then he had uh, posters and, and, and he had, like, little trinkets and little knick-knack thingies and he had Funko Pops and action figures and all kinds of things, keychains and all these things. And I was like, wow, there's, like, like, that's, that's a horror fan, you know? Like me, I love horror. But I like other stuff too. Um, but I never, I always thought, wow, I had never 
and realized that that was a thing, horror collecting. So, of course, I watched his videos, and I thought, you know, I made a list, and I went through in my mind. I was like, what kinds of things would I collect? Um, obviously, I'm not ever going to buy dolls. You know why? I'm talking like, you know, ugh. Okay, so like demon dolls or things like that, little, you know, like Chucky dolls, or like little miniature versions of the Puppet Master dolls, or Annabelle. Oh, no, 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 no. I watch WWE. I like Alexa Bliss. But when she pulls that doll out, I leave the room. I'm just, no. I don't do dolls. I, no. Dolls are, the, that's the, the scariest movie I've ever seen. It's not the scariest movie ever made, but to me, the scariest movie I've ever seen is Poltergeist. And for Christ's sake, every time I see that doll, I want to throw, I, I just, I want to throw the TV out the window. I cannot do dolls. So I don't anticipate that I would ever buy, you know, busts or little little demon dolls. I'm going to call them demon dolls. And I'm a witch. I'm a pagan witch, and I can handle my horror, but I just don't. No. Dolls are no. Absolutely never. <sighs> so, um, but I don't know. I can definitely see myself collecting posters and maybe, like, Freddy Krueger gloves. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be cool. Little props and masks and Halloween costumes and things. You know, yeah, I can definitely see myself, I, I can see myself getting into that. Going all in and having a room dedicated to horror stuff. I don't know. I mean, if I pulled everything together, all my horror video games, all my horror comic books, all my horror movies and posters, I could probably do it, but it's like, why would I do that? I would, I'm separating the horror stuff. I'm, I'm not going to do that with like, here's my Jim Carrey shrine. You know, here's all my Jim Carrey, because there's not enough Jim Carrey stuff to make a Jim Carrey shrine. Oh, yes, I'm going to have all of the DVDs. And if there's a video game based on one of his movies, there's not very many. But if there is, I'll have it. But I'm not going to go out and get a Jim Carrey... I'm not going to get a prop from, like, The Mask. or Maybe The Mask Mask from The Mask. That would be fun. You know, because it's Loki, the god of thunder. Not god of thunder. The mis god of mischief. The Norse god. Because uh, when I was a kid, when I was first getting into uh, witchcraft, Loki and Thor were the two gods that I revered when I was a child. So, yeah, I could definitely see myself getting into Loki. Sure, I could get a, Lo a Loki mask. That would be kind of cool from, from The Mask Mask. But I don't, I don't want to, like, a... I don't know, like, the little... UPS busted up box, little fuzzy, fake stuffed dog from Ace Ventura. I don't, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that. I don't need a Jim Carrey shrine. But a Freddy Krueger shrine, uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but I got to looking at it, and I got to thinking, are there other people out there who who would class? I know there's a lot of horror fans, huge horror community, absolutely, but horror collecting i never really thought of that as a as a thing so my question is if you're a horror fan do you collect horror items trinkets memorabilia etc 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 and have a dedicated space to your horror quote unquote some quotes here horror collection or do you just like well no i got a lot of horror stuff but i keep it all with my other stuff you know i don't like have a dedicated you know do you have animatronic mannequins and life size you know things like that do little miniatures or whatever i don't know what do you have what do you do this is this is a strange topic for me um because i'm a socialist <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna shy away from that i'm not a big fan of capitalism so it seems to me like yeah you want to support the artists but you don't necessarily i don't necessarily want uh, now bear with me because i am contradicting myself as a toy collector because i'm gonna talk about my toy collection in the next segment but uh that's a little different, and I'm kind of talking... It's not that different, but this is the thing. This is why I'm conflicted, because it's like, do I really want to 
commercialize my movies? Do I want to own? Do I want to give somebody else money to have a piece of that movie? I mean, I do buy toys from movies I like, so maybe I already do. I just never thought about it. I don't know. What do you think? This is a short topic because I have nothing else I can add. I just really wanted to kind of ramble on this for a minute because I've never really put that much thought into it, but I think it's fascinating. It's neat that there are people out there that just exclusively collect horror stuff. And they also collect movies, laser discs, VHS tapes, DVDs, Betamax, etc., etc., etc. Because right here, hands up, that's me. I have all that stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, so I don't know. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and I'll come back to do some more of the show. What do we do with problematic movies? <sighs> Am I going to talk about Blazing Saddles? Oh, hell no. I'm not touching that. Do you see the color of my skin? It's If you're watching this video, you see that I'm the same color as the white wall behind me. If I if I shaved my head and stopped moving, you wouldn't see. You wouldn't, I'd close my eyes. You wouldn't be able to tell I was here. I'm, I'm, I'm a ghost. Ah, That's why I wear black, because otherwise you wouldn't know I was here. If I didn't wear... Oh, I'm, 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 okay. Yes, no, I'm way not qualified to talk about a movie that drops the N-word like it's just a regular part of the U.S. English vocabulary. That's not me. But you know what I can talk about? Because I'm queer. I'm bi. I'm trans. I can talk about movies that are problematic for us, for the LGBTQ community. One such movie that I come across recently uh, is Mean Girls. But I'm not going to just sit here and pick apart Mean Girls. And I'm not going to sit here and go through the whole, Ew, eek, I didn't realize that movie was that homophobic. Oh, Ouch. I didn't notice that movie was that racist. So, yeah. Why didn't I notice? Well, because I was in the closet at the time and I was hiding behind my white privilege. Duh. <laughs> but that's not an excuse. I should have been more mindful because I, I, I was mindful. I was like, hey, you know, this is the culture we live in and this is why I'm not out. <laughs> that's an uncomfortable laugh. That's one of those, ah, but go back. We're not going to go all the way back to the 80s and let's, let's talk about something like Revenge of the Nerds, where the only reason why the black guy is in the nerds camp is because he's gay. That's the only thing that makes him so-called, quote-unquote, a nerd, is he's gay. He just doesn't fit in with the other, the normal people. Uh, so nerd is shorthand for outcast, and he's an outcast because he's gay. Oh, okay. We're not even going to go down that road. We're going to stay out of that shit, the 90s. The 90s themselves are problematic enough, so we're not even going to dig into the 90s. But this movie, this movie was made in, what, 2003, 2004? 2005, somewhere in there, I was grown, I was an adult when this movie came out, Mean Girls. And that's not that long ago. It's not, it's not as long ago as the 80s or the 90s or the 70s. You can brush that off because that's, that's way back when, yeah, everything was problematic then. We're not even going to pick that apart. We're not going to talk about Archie Bunker and that hot mess. We're not going near that. But what about more recent stuff? Because this is the thing that got to me. People always say, well, 
it's a product of its time. You have to kind of sort of dismiss it. And I don't necessarily disagree with that to an extent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like, because I do that when I go back to Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy was a part of my sexual awakening. Watching that movie really made me feel like I could be okay coming out. I wasn't ready to come out yet. After watching Chasing Amy, I did come out to one person. I came out to one person half-heartedly kind of like, I don't know, I think I'm, I don't know, I know I'm in, you know I'm in a cross-dressing. I, I think I might, I think I might be um, a cross-dresser. But I wasn't ready to say I was trans. And I was definitely, but I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. But it was like, yeah, you are, bitch, you're a lesbian. But I didn't want to tell my this person I came out to that because I was afraid. So I do know that I was mindful of that at the time. That is the culture we lived in. I was afraid to come out. But Chasing Amy definitely woke me up inside. And I look back at that movie now, boy, howdy is that problematic. You can't watch Chasing Amy today without saying, yeah, bro, that's not woke. That's like straight up in your face. I'm, I'm going to straighten this, this dyke out by shoving my dick up in her kind of misogynistic 90s bullshit. They even say that line in the movie, you know, can I tell my friends that you just needed a deep dicking? It's literally the phrase they use in the movie. No. You can't turn a lesbian straight by fucking her. That's not how it works. I guarantee you, if you fuck a lesbian, especially against her will, you're probably going to make her hate guys even more. It's not to say all lesbians are that way because they were sexually assaulted but a lot of them are and that's what's problematic about this is because it's it brushes off the very real very traumatic sexual assault most most you know lgbt people experience i don't talk about it but i've experienced certain levels of sexual violence in my life and i'm not going to talk about it here because it is problematic and i'm not i'm not going to open up um, but I am going to say this. I look at something like, I like a movie called Ghost World. I like that movie, but I watch it today and I'm like, ooh, eek. That is definitely a product of 2001. But then I think, I was alive in 2001. I was 19 years old in 2001. I wasn't a kid. I wasn't a teenager. Well, okay, I was a teenager, but. I was, I mean, technically, biologically, I was, a, I was a kid. But legally, for the most part, I was practically an adult. But I was definitely old enough to know better. You know? Or I watched something like American Pie. That's a movie today. That, American Pie 3, The Wedding, that's a movie that is very problematic for me. I watched that and it's, it's almost woke. In the sense that it definitely has some some queer representation and it it helped with my awakening too i absolutely love the bar the gay bar scene when they go into the gay bar and they have that fucking fabulous ass queer dance off i'm just like oh yes please this is my favorite scene in the movie that and then the later when they have all the the shenanigans going on at the at the bachelor party where you know you got like you know sex workers and the gay guy coming out and and, and everything and they're they're all just like oh yeah cool tna and it doesn't matter if it's dudes or chicks we're just ready to have some tna uh, but then you remember 
the the spiel, the thing that happened with the lesbians and the dildos at uh, American Pie 2, and you're like, ooh, yucky, that's messy, let's stay out of that. And then, of course, you look back at the, you know, them dropping the F-bomb, and I'm not saying fuck, I'm saying the word that we don't want to say because it, it is very uncool um, in that movie. And so I'm like, ooh, no. So where do I fall on, what do I classify as problematic? Well, we live in a misogynistic culture. So anything that presents women as property is automatically, or prizes is automatically problematic. The problem is that's still happening today. So, I mean, we might as well just not even support Hollywood at all. And uh, that's not very easily possible. Heck, even independent movies are going to fall down that route. Huh. Even seemingly innocuous, innocent, perfectly kid-friendly Disney shit is here's the princess and the prince doesn't even know it's his true love because her shoes don't fit. She's wearing the wrong shoe. I can't recognize her because she's not a person. She's an object. That's problematic in and of itself. We're not talking about that. We're talking about seeing... We're talking about movies where they say the R word, which I'm not going to drop. We're talking about movies where they say faggot. We're talking about movies where they talk about, where they make gay jokes or they bash trans people. Or we have movies where they'll they'll have a, a woman come into a scene and hit on a guy. Oh, hi, my name's Brittany. How are you? And then the guy's like, oh, I'm fine. And then, and then the girl's like, oh, you want to come back to my place? Eek! I can't believe it. I just did that. No, and then they're like, and then the guy's all, and then they get all creeped out because Brittany's not a, girl, quote-unquote air quotes here, Brittany's actually Bob, and everybody wants to, ah, and ew, I'm already feeling my skin crawl, doing all of that, so no, 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 no more of that. And that's disgusting. Look at, like, a movie, we're going to take a step back into the 80s, and we're going to talk about a movie I do recommend watching, but it is problematic, so be careful, and it is Jim Carrey, so it goes into my Jim Carrey shrine. <laughs> I guess I have to build one now. I love Jim Carrey, by the way. But he's also problematic. But it's called Once Bitten. It's a vampire movie. It's not necessarily horror, but it's comedy. But it is a vampire movie. And it's it's about a kid. He's a teenager, and he's in high school. And he wants to bone his girlfriend because, you know, he's tired of being a virgin. She wants to be a virgin. The vampire needs the blood of a virgin, you know, to stay young. And so she picks him. But there's two dudes. They're straight dudes. They're both going to the bar to hit on chicks. And they that's the whole point of the movie and there's a scene in the movie where they're checking their friend out they're checking out his thighs in the sh shower scene uh to see if he's got vampire bites on the insides of his thighs and everyone's like oh my god fags in the shower fags in the shower and everybody freaks out and then and then and they're like and they, they say that word so many fucking times in that movie i, I cringe and i'm like ah I, I cringe now saying it but sometimes you have to you know you got to reclaim these words and sometimes we have to say listen <sighs> okay that's not okay. But can you still watch a movie that's a product of its time if you go into the mindset that, like, I know back then this movie hurt me because I watched it in the closet and I wasn't ready to be out yet? Or is it, you know what, this movie's a product of its time, but I can appreciate it now because I'm safely on the outside of the closet living my best life and I don't, it can't hurt me anymore. It's the same reason why I can say faggot and not cringe because we've reclaimed that word. It's our word. It's like the N-word for the African-American 
community, you know? And it's like, yeah, there are people that cringe when they hear it, and there's people that and their stomach churns when they say it right here. But at the same time, sometimes we have to say it because we have to remind people that we fought and bled and died to exist, just to fucking exist. And that's why we have such a hard time with these movies when you go back to something and you're like, ooh, I forgot how... Like something, one of my favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time is very supposedly innocent. It's called Can't Hardly Wait. It's practically, you know, a Disney movie, but on steroids. It's not quite a Disney movie, but it's got all your, you know, all your main characters. You know, it's got your, you know, the Clarissa Explains It All, Melissa Joan Hart. She's in it. Or if you don't know her from that, you probably know her from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's got Seth Green. He's the squeaky clean nerd. The king. So the proclaimed, I'm going to proclaim him, king of the nerds. You know, because, you know, he's, he's adorable. And I love him. Not in that kind of way, but he's adorable. I love him. He makes good content, and I want to see more of him. And then it's got some other people that you're, you know, uh, I, I can't sit here and name them all, because uh, I can't remember everybody's names off the top of my head. But it's a fabulous movie. But there's a scene in that movie where, well, I'm not going to get to the end of the movie, but basically there's a scene where the guy has broken up with his girlfriend, the douchebag, the jockey douchebag. And he's drunk and his college buddy is telling him like no dude high school chicks are easy college chicks are smart and like i'm not smart and so like i wish i was back in high school because then i could bone high school chicks because they're stupid blah 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 which is problematic in of itself and then the guy's like tries to, the drunk guy the, the douchebag tries to go get his girlfriend back and he proclaims his love for her and she shoots him down and somebody just screams bag way loud and then everybody cheers and laughs and then they're like ah but i listen to that and i'm like oh they could have called him well i don't want to say the r word they shouldn't have called him that they just could have they should have just screamed loser you know loser that would have been just but no they had this they had to go there so even a movie i love is tainted now of course it's further tainted when you get to the end of the movie because the whole setup is they're going to take nudie pictures of him get him drunk make him pass out on the ground and then they're going to lay they're going to pass out another guy and they're going to make it look like they were having gay sex together in the in the tool shed, pool shed and it's like that's how they're going to destroy this guy is by telling everybody he's gay ouch now when i was a kid i thought it was a funny ass movie now i look at him i'm like ooh, ouch so that can i still watch can't hardly wait am i still allowed to watch it we're not even digging into like the socio-political stuff that comes from you know the, 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 the conversation of can you separate the art from the artist? We're not going to talk about, you know, transphobe, transphobic creators such as, I don't know, J.K. Rowling and her Harry Potter. We're not even going to touch that mess right now. But what do you do with these movies? Can you still watch them? Can you still enjoy them? Or do you, do you acknowledge that this made you uncomfortable? And do you, do you say, okay, I have to move on? Or do you acknowledge, yeah, that's the that is the way it was then and even though it hurts and it hurt at the time i'm free now i'm free from the pain that that caused me at the time and now i can move on what do you do with it what do you do with can't hardly wait what do you do with mean girls what do you do with ghost world what do you do with movies like the blazing saddles you put that movie in the fucking past where it belongs and you pretend like nobody remembers it and you try your damn hardest to forget it but what do you do with these movies that you have these beloved movies from your childhood and you're like ah oh, I can't believe that movie's so raunchy and so wrong and awful. And I used to love it so, so stinking ass much. 
do you make apologies? Do you just put on your armor and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to laugh at the funny parts. I'm going to cringe at the unfunny parts and then I'm just going to get through it because nostalgia is a powerful drug. Nostalgia is a powerful drug. But is it more powerful than scars? I don't know. And I don't have an answer. This I'm not answering this question. I'm, I, I wanted to have a discussion with you, the audience, the listeners. I wanted to get your take. I wanted to put this out there. I'm asking, what do you, I'm pointing at the camera here, what do you, listener, what do you, YouTuber, watching this, what do you, uh, Twitter follower that's going to tweet at me about this when you've consumed this content, what do you do with problematic movies from the past? Do you move on? Do you just say, okay, that's the past, let's move forward? Do we just forget the past and only consume new movies going forward? Do we just, just say the past is the past and we let it go? Do we do you put your shields up and say no I can I can take it for what it is? I don't have an answer. Because this isn't the first time I was watching a movie and I was like, ooh, ouch, that stings now. It stung when I was in the closet and I watched it, but I had to pretend to laugh at it because if I didn't, people would be like, Why didn't you find that funny? That was hilarious. And if I didn't laugh, then they would have that would have tripped their gaydar and I wasn't ready for that yet. Ah. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. Okay, so this week's toy topic is going to be a little lighter than some of the ones I've done in the past. And this isn't going to be one where I try to answer a question or ponder anything big or just go over anything random. I'm just going to, first of all, I'm going to show off my toy. This is a Care Bear. It's Grumpy Bear. Aw, Grumpy Bear. He's sad, but I'll make him I'll make him happy. I'll give him a hug. It's not a new toy, but I, just, I like to, sh I try to try to show off a toy every chance I get. And like I said, I won't be able to show off for the next couple of weeks because all my toys will be packed because I'm in the process of moving. But I keep my Care Bears on my bed. They're sleeping with me, but he's the only one I can grab right now because the other ones are either put away or they're out of reach. So today's topic is Care Bears. Uh, I want to talk about the toys, what they mean to me, and uh, I'm not going to go into like you know, the history of Care Bears, the development of Care Bears, none of that because it's, it's capitalist. It's somebody had an idea and said, hey, we can make these really cute little colorful teddy bears trading cards and sell them to or hallmark cards and sell them and make lots of money off of it and someone else said hey if we're going to do that why don't we make a cartoon out of it and hey if we're going to do that why don't we make these into toys and hey if we're going to do that why don't we make a movie out of it and hey if we're going to do that ka-ching 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 capitalism that's what they did i don't want to talk about any of that 
let's just talk about what are Care Bears. This is the reason why I want to talk about Care Bears. When I was a kid, I always knew I was not a boy. I was, a, a, you know, a assigned male at birth. I was born, the doctor saw a thing, and he said, oh, it's a boy. And they handed it to my mom, and my mom gave me dead name, and dead name is a boy's name. And then they took me home, and they said, okay, you're a boy. You like sports, and you like the color blue, and you like cars for some reason. And I guess you like guns, and big buff, muscular, ripped, wrestling dudes, and like American gladiators, and military soldiers, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I like Rainbow Bride. Can I play with Rainbow Bride? And they were like, no. So my parents didn't let me play with Rainbow, Rainbow Bride. I was like, no, no, you can't play with Rainbow Bride. That's a, that's a girl's toy. Okay, I like Popples. Can I play with Popples? They're like Transformers. I love Transformers. It's a cute, cuddly little critter that transforms into a ball, a stuffed ball that you can cuddle and squeeze and love and hug. No, that's a girl's toy. Play with play with your truck that transforms into a military soldier with a big giant bazooka launcher. Because that's what boys play with. <sighs> okay, fine. Can I have a Care Bear? It's a teddy bear. You guys gave me a teddy bear. Teddy bear, you know. Teddy Roosevelt, the man's man, the boy, boy scouts, blah, 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 blah. Come on, you can give me a Care They let me have a Care Bear. There was no gender. Care Bears weren't gender. Care Bears were gender neutral. It was great. I could watch Care Bear cartoons. I could rent the VHS tapes and I could watch Care Bears. It was magical. Literally, it was it was fairy tale. It was magic. I was allowed to like magic when I was a kid because it was like, you know, it was, it was like, it was, it wasn't like, you know, I was like girly, girly things. It wasn't like unicorns. It was rainbows. Mm -hmm. But there were no unicorns, there were no butterflies, so it was okay. It was okay. It wasn't too girly. And, you know, I still watched Transformers and G.I. Joe and He-Man and blah, 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 blah. Um, the Smurfs and Snorks and some of those, you know, Scooby-Doo, some of those fairly gender-neutral cartoons, or at least as gender-neutral as I could get at the time. But I liked Care Bears. I settled on Care Bears. Care Bears was a compromise for me. It was like my way to have... A girl's toy, even though I don't want to gender Care Bears and say that only girls can like them. But it was my way to have something. Because they wouldn't even let me. My sisters had My Little Pony. I couldn't play with My Little Pony. This is the thing that irritated me. My parents would not let me play with my sister's toys. And they did not have to let me play with their toys. But I had to let them play with my toys. Because, you know. Which is okay, to be fair. Girls are going to go through a lot of that in their life. Where they're going to get double standards. So I wasn't too upset about it. I did let my sister play with her toys. And then, no, no, we were kids and my parents didn't babysit us too closely. They didn't monitor everything we did. So I did play with a lot of this, my sister's toys anyways. But I also intermixed them with my toys. So we would make up games where it was like, we would play house where we would have Optimus Prime was the dad and Barbie was the wife or the mommy. And, you know, maybe Bumblebee was the, the kid. And then, you know, maybe we had, you know, Master Splinter was the, you know, the, the boss. And then he was going to yell at the daddy because he was, you know, wasn't productive, blah, blah, blah. And so we would just pool our toys together and play house. And that was my way of playing dolls with my sister. So I brought my dolls, using air quotes here. And they brought their dolls. And then I had my Care Bear. It was the only doll doll that I had. But then there's the cartoon. 
So Care Bears the Cartoon is very, it's got a pretty good message. So here's the gist of it. You have these magical Care Bears that live up in the clouds that have the ability to use magic to spread cheer and, and happiness. And so you have these dark cloud guys that go around and try to spread bullying and, and, and pain and suffering and so basically you have these these nasty critters that go around and try to pick on kids and make them feel bad about themselves and then the Care Bears show up and try to love away the problems and then they make the kid feel better about themselves so I don't remember the specific plots to any individual episodes but it was basically like this kid's sad let's make him happy why are you sad kid oh let's use our magic to make you happy and then Care Bears stare and then the rainbow comes out of their tummies and then everything's okay I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Now I've got a great big old Care Bear collection and I'm yay happy. But um, not that long ago, I was living in a very conservative part of Nebraska. And remembering that we grew up loving Care Bears, I bought a copy of Care Bears the movie on DVD and gave it to my sister as a Christmas present. And she watched it. She gave it back to me and said she couldn't she couldn't accept it. She didn't want it because she couldn't let her kids watch it because that was, I'm using air quotes, that liberal garbage about everybody's fine. Let's just, love fixes everything. Hippie BS, you know, bleeding heart, blah, blah. And I was like, what? And so I got to thinking about it and I was like, is it wrong to want to teach your kids that it's okay? Like, it, I mean, What? So telling your kids it's okay to be happy is wrong. Your kids aren't allowed to be happy. They have to be miserable and sad and, and hate the world because that's what's expected of them. And so, of course, you know, I, I was it's just an innocent cartoon. And she was all like, no, it's liberal propaganda. And I was the, that was the first time I heard anybody accuse Care Bears of being liberal propaganda. And, of course, I'm you know, a socialist. I'm very liberal. So I'm just like, well, I was telling people about this at the time because I was in Nebraska and my family was very, you know... Uh, I mean, at the time, it was pro W, George W, and then then it was pro Trump, and now I'm just like, ah! But, um, but I look back on it, and I, and I, and I, I think, are Care Bears really liberal? Is that a liberal message? Like, it's, that's what conservatives think is bad, is telling people that love, love is a bad word. To conservatives like really I don't even want to I don't even want to get into that so I you know I didn't think much thought of it but then I noticed that I started seeing comments online that people wouldn't buy their kids Care Bears because of that it was political to them and I was like when in the fucking hell did Care Bears become political oh well I guess apparently I, somewhere along the lines <sighs> We got to this point in our country where if you don't hate liberals, then you're a liberal. And I guess Care Bears don't teach kids to hate. And so that's wrong? I don't know. I didn't want to take a dark turn. I wanted to talk just about the happy things about Care Bears. But it's one of those like, why is our society so fucked up that we take something as innocent as a color teddy bear which by the way the reason why they one of the reasons they have a problem with it is because all the different colors getting along together that's ugh, 
That's we're not racist. We just don't like mixing the colors because blah blah blah. Wait, what? Yeah, there you go. <sighs> Can't teach your kids that it's okay to hang out with someone that. Oh Jesus, someone that's different than them, or someone that actually loves somebody unconditionally because that would be a sin apparently. Uh, or loves the wrong person because that would be a sin apparently. I don't know. So. What are my personal thoughts on Care Bears? I don't give two shits about the cartoon. I've got, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I'm not going to watch it ever again. If I ever have kids, I may or may not let them watch it. I mean, there's a possibility I'll screen the things that my kids watch before I let them watch them. Or at the very least, I'm going to sit them down and have discussions with them. Because, you know, I'm a lesbian. Probably going to end up in a relationship with a, with a girl. I mean, I'm currently in a relationship with a girl. I don't know if kids are in our future or our future is what they look like. But... Hypothetically speaking, that would be the only scenario I'd ever sit down and watch a Care Bear cartoon again. And I have no no use for the cartoon at this point, so I don't care. To me, they're they're cute. And I'm a girl. I like cute. I like teddy bears. I love Care Bears. So what about the magical side of it? I don't know the mythology. Obviously, it's a, it's a kid's cartoon, so I mean, how deep can the mythology be? I don't know. But... That's one of the things I like about Care Bears. That's why I pick Care Bears over like just generic teddy bears. Teddy bears are political. <laughs> they were in, essentially they were created in honor of a very misogynistic U.S. president, very popular U.S., very Republican U.S. president. That's political. Teddy bears are political. Nobody politicizes teddy bears. They just give their kid a teddy bear. I'd, I'd rather give my kid a poo bear. You know, Winnie the Pooh. That's fairly. You know, innocent, I would say, or a Care Bear. But it's not like I'm going to say, well, you can't have a teddy bear. It's just like, you know, we're so far removed from the origins of the teddy bear that I don't care anymore, obviously. So I don't know. that I don't know what I think. Uh, I don't know what I think of that. I sit here and I think, why does everything have to be political? And in reality, I just want to say, I love Care Bears. There's, they, they have different colors. They've got different patterns on their tummies. And they're so soft. They're softer than normal teddy bears. Any teddy bear I've ever had. That's not true. I've had some really soft teddy bears. Okay, that is. I have. Those Coca-Cola polar bears are pretty soft. I've, I've had some of those. Those are pretty soft. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's where I stand. I, I, I think Care Bears are pretty cool. And I love them. And if you don't have any, you should buy some. Vintage ones, or they sell new ones at Target and Walmart, or other places where toys are sold. You know, not going to plug any other places. Unless they want to sponsor me. But, you know, we'll talk. You know, hey, guys, we'll talk. We'll talk. Um, that being said, um, I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, Care Bears are awesome. There you go. Don't politicize fucking toys, please. Excuse me. Excuse me. So, um, 
You'll notice I'm sitting alone in my room. It needs to be cleaned, but this is, you know what this is. This is a mask. I have another one. It's, I keep it in my purse. I keep my current one in my purse, but this is my current one. I'll go ahead and show it to you. It's not pink. It's, it's red with black on the other side. Why do I have to have a mask? Because there's a fucking pandemic going on in the world. And I want to talk about the pandemic because it feels like we're a year and a half into it. We're over a year and a half into it, and it doesn't feel like it's going to fucking end anytime soon. Why doesn't, it, why doesn't it feel like it's ever going to end? Because people are fucking not taking it seriously. But it goes beyond people not taking it seriously. We've got people that are dismissing it entirely. Or you've got people that are treating it like it's literally nothing. And... Or people that are just, oh, it's no big deal, you know, or you're treading on my rights. They're politicizing it and all this shit. And yet people are dying. Hospitals hospitals are getting full. The world's falling apart. Like you can't get biscuits and gravy at fucking McDonald's right now because of the supply chain's fucked up. And it's like, why, 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 why are we so fucking stupid? But I'm going to do a quick little... Because I worked in the news media business when the t when the pandemic happened, so I'm going to do a quick little rundown of how things went, how things went down, and kind of give my bleak outlook for the future. Because it feels like the quarantines and the lockdowns and the pandemics and the masks and the the the, the, the social distancing and all this other shit is never going to end. And it's one of those I want it to end. You think that fucking liberals are sitting around like, oh, we want to force everybody to wear masks and get uh, vaccinated? You really think I give a fuck if you get vaccinated? I don't want to shove a vaccine in your ass. I want you to take the vaccine so that you don't spread a deadly virus and kill people, kill innocent people, dipshit. I don't give a fuck if you, if you take your medicine or not. I don't give a fuck if you get sick or not. If you get sick, fuck you, get sick. Get sick. Get as sick as you want to get. Stay home and die. I don't fucking care. Don't go out and spread it around. If you're sick, wear your fucking mask. Stay home. Get your goddamn vaccine and you won't get fucking sick. Or maybe you won't spread it as much. Oh, but people who have the vaccine get sick too. Yeah, because you dipshits wouldn't take it fucking seriously and get vaccinated when you had the chance. And now we're past the second, the, the first variant. Now we're getting into the second variant and it's only going to get worse. Because you dipshits. Not you, my audience, but you out there, you dipshits that won't wear your mask, that won't get your, your 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 vaccine and everything else. It's like, ugh. So how did we get here? Well, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but I'm going to just take a step back and look at the, what I remember happening, looking at it from my perspective as a journalist. So I remember January 2020. This is where it started for me. I remember getting really sick. I was sick for three weeks. I missed a lot of work. I was coughing. It was the worst cough I ever had. But it kind of goes further back than that. Now, I don't know the timeline of when the virus actually got to the United States. And there's some contention over that. And there's a lot of random theories going on. I'm not going to try to piece that together. But I do know November of last year, actually it was, well, it was November 1st last year. It was right after Halloween. I had a really good friend who was in his 70s, worked in the newspaper, a great, great guy, died mysteriously of pneumonia out of the blue. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. There were accusations of incompetence, but his case, if you will, investigation got 
I'm not going to say swept under the rug, but it, nothing came of it because the pandemic was just starting in China. And I remember looking back on it, I remember people were afraid. That, like, did he get the, we were still calling it the Chinese virus at the time, which was very fucking racist, but it was, you know, it's, it's our country, that's America, that's our media. Uh, we weren't sure what to make of it. And then in January, I got really, really sick. And I was, you know, I get the, I usually get the flu every January. There's nothing I can do about it. I either get the flu or a cold or one or the other. I get sick every January. I never, ever, ever got sick until I moved to Texas. I'm sick every year in Texas because Texas has got a bunch of bugs and dust and pollens and things that they don't have in the desert. I grew up in the desert, so I'm just like, there's no such thing as bugs in the desert. They're not real. They're just things that they put in scary movies to, to make people like me afraid of the, you know, Texas. And then I come to Texas and oh my god, bugs are a real thing and I'm terrified of them. They, they terrify the shit out of me. So I get sick. I get sick every every winter <sighs> since I came to Texas. And so the virus is a bug, by the way. It fucking scares the shit out of me because it's a fucking bug. It's disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. It's a bug you can't see and it's like... Ooh, ah. And I remember we were following the numbers and I remember like it was, you know, February and people were talking about things were happening in... Italy, it was getting really bad in Italy. Like the cases were getting really high and it was spreading. And we knew there were some cases in America and it was spreading to other parts of the world. And then Italy went into lockdown. And I was like, oh my God, they shut down the whole country, all of Italy. And that that moment was when I knew, whoa, this shit is real. That At that time, there were, I had friends, I knew people here in America who were like, oh, it's only going to 0.1% or 0.01%, whatever. And everybody had a different percent. It doesn't really kill you. You get it, you get sick. And then they were showing, you know, the hospitals were overwhelmed. And it isn't about, does the virus kill you? And this is the thing that people don't understand. When you get sick, you have to go to the hospital. And so when you have to go to the hospital, you have to get, you know, the whatever it is they're going to give you, penicillin or, you know, antibiotics or whatever they're going to give you to make you feel better. And they're going to send you home and give you pain pills. And normally... You know, you have, you know, you got your burn victims, you got your sexual assault victims, you got your people who are victims of violence and your car accidents and your industrial incidents, and etc. Your normal hospital people. And then, you know, every winter we get a big influx of flu cases and people get the flu and they go in and they get sick. Normally, when you get sick, you know, small percentage of Americans get sick. You know, it, I'm not going to make up numbers because I did I did the, I did the math when I was in the, at the newspaper. So I'm not going to make up numbers, but we're going to say, like, not enough people get sick. Flu season rolls around for it to really impact our anything. But this was different because it wasn't, you know, 500 people getting sick in your community. It was three, four thousand people in your area getting sick. You know, normally, and I, we did the numbers, we did the numbers and there were, we, we, we compared one month, 2020 to uh, the same month, the same time, 2019, we got the numbers from our local government agencies and we went back, the, the news outlet I worked for, and we went back and we said, look, last week we had, I'm just making up numbers here, but I'm going to say we had like 350, the thing, cases last week alone and all of last year we had 12 flu cases in our county just the whole year so we we 
saw right away, working in the news business, I saw right away, this is not the common cold. This is not the flu. Because I remember people saying that at first because they called it the coronavirus. And I was like, wait a second, didn't they say that the common cold is a coronavirus? And of course, you know, people who don't know anything about science, they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, a, it's like saying your chihuahua is a wolf. Yes, your chihuahua is a wolf, but your chihuahua can't rip your throat out, whereas the wolf can... They're the same thing, but they're not the same level. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. SARS-CoV-2, uh, or SARS-CoV-E2, which is what the, the thing is actually, scientifically, that's what it's called. We, we assigned it COVID-19. That's the, that's the designation of the... Okay, so it's like you have HIV, the human immunodeficiency virus. I'm saying it wrong, but it's HIV. And then you have AIDS, the autoimmune deficiency syndrome. AIDS is the disease HIV can cause. COVID-19 is the disease SARS-CoV-E2 can cause. So it's a SARS virus is what it is. It's SARS. That should scare the fuck out of it. If we, if we start, if we, if we had kept calling it SARS, maybe people would have been more scared of it. I don't know. The fact that we just called it coronavirus for so long, and then we just called it COVID-19, it's just like, fuck. We, we fucked up. But, okay, so here's what happened. Normally, you get sick. Everybody gets the, you know, the flu. You're home sick for a couple of days. You cough. You get your antibiotics. You go back to work. You, you don't even put on a mask. You just know to stay away from people. You don't cough on anyone. You wash your hands, and it goes away after a couple of weeks. But here's what happened. Here's what happened differently. Hospitals weren't getting, you know, nor normal. A hospital would normally have maybe 20, 30 flu patients at a time. We can handle that. They were getting three, four, five hundred COVID patients at a time. They can't handle that. You're talking about a hospital that, that has the capacity to handle. 50, 60 patients that normally gets 20 to 30. So they're like, they've got a little room to spare. Now they're getting 300, 400, 500. And they're like, we don't know what the fuck to do. We don't know what to do. And that's what happened. That was one thing that happened. But because that happened, it led to other things. Because that happened, then you started seeing other dominoes. Like, oh, now people are dying from pneumonia that wouldn't have died from pneumonia if people hadn't spread the virus. Because then... Hospitals wouldn't have had to take the ventilators and all the, the medicines and materials, the resources, the tools that they use to keep somebody who has pneumonia from dying to keep the COVID patient alive. So you have to take, oh, you got a, you got a person who has pneumonia. We know pneumonia kills you. As soon as you get a pneumonia diagnosis, you start praying to God that you're not going to die because pneumonia kills you. But we have people who have pneumonia, and then you have people who have COVID, and we're like, no, but COVID gets the priority because that's probably going to kill you too because you have people that are sitting on a ventilator with COVID, with pneumonia, and it's like, you don't just have pneumonia. You've also got this SARS virus, and you've got all the other symptoms and everything else. So here it's like, oh, hospitals have to prioritize. Who, who, gets, the, who gets the equipment? Does the, the, does the person who has pneumonia? Nah, they just have pneumonia. We got to give it to the COVID person because theirs is worse. And pneumonia is not spreading. COVID is spreading. That was one thing that we fucked up and did wrong. Then there was the whole 
hoarding things. The first thing that they came out, people are always like, this. didn't the CDC say don't hoard the masks because they were telling people don't buy masks because everybody was running out and buying masks. Yes, because we needed the masks to go to the healthcare workers and then we needed the lockdowns and we needed the social distancing to stop the spread of the virus. We didn't do that. We ignored that. Everybody went selfish and then hoarded all the masks and then the healthcare workers got sick. That's where the spread happened. The healthcare workers got sick. They couldn't get masks. They started dying. They started spreading it to the general population. And then the people who didn't take it seriously got sick. And then they started spreading it. And then it was too late. But you do the contract tr contact tracing. You do the, the investigation, which I had journalists, and myself included. I, we did this. Every news outlet I talked to, every reporter I talked to, we did this. We, did the, we asked these questions. We followed the numbers. And they're still doing it. And you saw where the the where the bumps were in the road and people were like well if we would close everything down it this this virus has a two-week incubation period 14 days and it's gone if everybody stayed in their house for 14 days everybody stayed in their house for 14 days the virus would die we're done but nobody wanted to do that so we had to say okay well you can go out if you wear your mask the mask will protect you. The mask doesn't protect you, and we know that. Why are we telling people to wear the mask? The mask does not stop you from getting the virus. The mask stops you. It doesn't stop. It reduces the likelihood of you spreading the virus to someone else. So if you have five people in a room, three of them wearing masks, two are not wearing the masks, the two that are not wearing the mask are going to spread the virus to the three who have the mask. That's why masks don't work, and that's why people are always screaming masks don't work. If, we're, if the masks work, why wouldn't it be spreading? Because it doesn't stop you from getting the virus. Because if the guy next to you coughs on your shoulder, that mask is not going to stop the virus from getting into your ear. Or a cut on your shoulder. Or up your nose. You put the mask over your face, and it it stops your spit from getting on the person next to you and then getting into their crevices. That's what the mask does. Now, if you put five people in a room and they're all five wearing a mask, their mask, they could all, if one of them has COVID, three of them could have COVID and the other two are safe. Everybody's safe. But we didn't do that. And that's the thing. People don't understand. If everybody wore their mask all the time, if everybody stayed locked down, for two weeks, if everybody got the vaccine, when we got it, and if everybody socially distanced properly, we would have beat this thing quickly. There are countries that did, that, that locked down and that, that are doing fine. And then they eased the restrictions, and then they let Americans in, and then poof, we fucked it up for everyone else. Why are we so stupid? I don't fuck. It's like the mask isn't going to protect you, but it's going to increase your chances. Socially distancing will, 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 will protect you better, but nobody's doing that anymore. <laughs> I don't see any people, even people who are vaccinated and wearing their masks will rub shoulders now. And I'm just like, hey, keep your distance, please. I don't want your germs. Heck, even before there was a pandemic, I didn't want you standing that close to me. I don't want your germs. 
I listen to other podcasts where people talk about going to Comic-Con or PAX or retro Portland Retro Gaming Expo and they talk about getting con flu. Everybody gets con flu. They're afraid to death of con flu. COVID's worse than con flu and everyone knows you're in a tight space where people are, one person gets sick and then it's going to spread and spread and spread and that's all it takes is one fucking person. If you've got 100,000 people sick, you can't fucking stop this thing. So, is the pandemic ever going to end? I don't fucking know. I mean, maybe after every Republican is dead, it'll end. That's the thing, though. The virus doesn't kill everybody. But that's not why you shouldn't take it seriously, because it's not—it's probably not going to kill you. But it could kill the person sitting next to you. It could kill the person that, that at the grocery store that you know you sneezed on because you were selfish and inconsiderate and wouldn't wear a fucking mask or wouldn't stay six feet back. So it might. It isn't about your individual freedom. Are you going to die? Are you going to get sick? I don't give a fuck if you get sick. Get sick, go home, die, get, get, you know, eat shit and die. I'm good with that. But don't spread the fucking virus to other people. And that's it right there. They hate, there are people, the people that are spreading the virus, literally, they do hate, they hate gay people. They hate Latino people. They hate black people, people of color. They hate queer people, trans people. They hate immigrants. They want us to get sick because they want the virus to kill those of us. And you know what? The virus does target poorer people, especially people in those communities. Why? Because they're usually in more tight-knit spaces. They have less access to health care. Sometimes they don't even have access, especially poor people. I mean, my fucking health care situation is a goddamn nightmare. Fortunately, in a way, I'm, I'm trans, but I'm still white, so I still carry some of that. Uh, the side effects of the, the white privilege that I was born into. And yeah, I was able, of course, I was able to get the vaccine. And, you know, I have a pretty good job because of my college education, which I got through, you know, student loans and help and help from the government. Socialism. But, uh, well, not complete socialism because they want me to pay it back. But hey, you know, maybe they could forgive my loans, you know, and I don't have to pay it back. I'm, I'm you know, still, fingers crossed, they can get enough votes to get that to happen, but it's not going to happen, probably. Um... But I remember, like, some of the weird things that happened. Like, I remember in March, Texas started issuing their emergency orders. And I was like, oh, shoot. We, we, they sent us home. We were working from home. And it was just like, okay, this is, this is real. We got a note from the Texas Press Association saying, hey, we, we, you know, we got to court. We went to the you know, attorney general and we got this approved that we're, we're, we're classified as an essential business. And they gave us a note to carry in our car. If you are driving somewhere and you get pulled over, hand them the note and say, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm classified as an essential worker. I have to be out here. And then, you know, we had to risk our lives going out there. This was unmasked because we were still not wearing masks at this time because they hadn't given mask mandates. And the guidance at the time was don't hoard the masks because the healthcare workers need them. So they were trying to implore people, please stop hoarding masks. Once we got production ramped up production of the masks and it was like oh okay now everybody go out and get your mask stay safe we can stop this thing it was too late but we tried but us the journalists the health the frontline workers the healthcare workers the you know the ems workers the police officers and restaurant workers and the people at the grocery store they were the ones risking their lives getting sick so that everyone else could sit at home and play on zoom for their paychecks and then everyone that lost their jobs would get you know stimulus checks and unemployment blah 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 and 
sucked. It, it sucked for everybody. And then you just ended up making Netflix richer than rich, than rich, than rich, than rich. And then all the millionaires are like, billionaires are now like, hey, we got so rich off of COVID, we can fly to the fucking moon. <laughs> nah, nah. And then, and then like, actually, we're rich enough, we can go to Mars. And now it's just like, oh, shit, we've got gajillionaires that are flying off this planet because they let us fuck it up. Huh, great, good for you. Watch us die and then leave, leave us behind. Huh, what is that? Why am I having flashbacks to the Titanic, I wonder? Hmm. Huh. I wonder if the rich people in Pompeii took a, you know, month-long vacation, like, weeks before that volcano erupted. Ah! No, I'm just kidding. But still, we could have stopped this thing. You know, I remember when the lockdown started. I remember like watching John Oliver talk about marble races because there was no sports on TV. The NBA got shut down. The NFL got shut down. High school. There was a, there was not going to be any high school sports. And in Texas, the newspapers with no high school sports. What are you fucking going to do? What do you, what are you going to cover? We we still had sports. I worked at a TV station. Now we had a lot of games get canceled. We had a lot of kids get sick. We had a lot of kids die that didn't need to. We had a lot of coaches get sick and die. Police officers that I knew got sick and die. People that I knew getting sick and dying. And I was like, holy shit. I knew that guy. I knew this guy. We knew this guy. And we were doing those stories all the fucking time. Now it's like, we look back on it and it's like, well, it's still, it's just as bad as it was day one, but we've, we've just gotten used to it. We've just decided we don't care. This is the new normal. We're in a pandemic. It, it, it is what it is. And that's what pisses me off is... We're still dying. People are still getting sick. And the virus is only going to mutate again, and it's only going to get deadlier. And it's going to keep getting deadlier until we can't stop it. <sighs> ah! I don't know. I don't know what's the end game. But I wanted to talk about it because I'm one of those people that I got vaccinated. I stopped wearing my mask and I was like, okay, cool, because I'm in Texas and everything was like, you know, oh, okay, cool, I'm, I'm safe, right? And then the thing happened, the Delta happened, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm not safe. And then now it's like, okay, I'm vaccinated, but I see, now I'm wearing my mask. I go outside and wearing my mask, you know? Now I practice social distancing. I wash my hands, you know? So I was like, I kept my distance from people, anyways. But I'm now I'm just even extra, extra cautious because I don't want to make somebody else sick. So there it is. That's where we are right now. How did we fucking get here? Because we had a bunch of dipshits that were, you know, like, oh, it, it's political for this reason, that reason, and then conspiracy theories got spread, and then misinformation got spread, and now everyone's just so entrenched in their hate, there is no fixing them. Huh. I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we fix it. I mean, do we have to have, like, nationwide mask mandates? Are we going to have to give FEMA and the CDC and the U.S. military the authority to just go in and say, let's lock this fucking shit down and force feed everybody the fucking third round of the vaccine? Are we going to have to just, like, you know, just say, hey, we're fucking, we're putting an end to this? It would take two fucking weeks to put an end to it. Why can't we just stop everything for two goddamn weeks? The least you could do is wear your mask, get vaccinated, and wash your fucking hands. I go into the bathroom at work and I see people walk out not washing their hands. And I'm like, ew, that's gross even if there isn't a pandemic. But fuck, wash your hands, people. <sighs> wash your fucking hands. I've got a bottle of hand sanitizer over here. When I'm in between camera shots, I'm, I'm 
get, you know, I just, you saw me, I itched my nose. I'm not wiping my nose, I itched my nose, but it's like, hey, I know what comes. I'm going to fucking wash my hands every chance I get. We have to try harder because too many fucking people have died and it's not stopping. And Christ, if you don't care, I don't care about you. If you want to die, good for you. Drink Drano and die. But don't fucking be a dipshit and kill people that don't want to die. Because I don't want to die. Think about that. Uh-oh. What is that? Is that a techno beat? Uh, uh. Or is it a house beat? How the fuck do you tell the difference? And who gives a shit, right? No, actually, so I wanted to talk about this for this week's music topic for a couple of reasons. One, I'm kind of feeling like I might retire the music topic. Even in the first episode, I said I wouldn't have one every week. And uh, this is one of those, I wanted to get it out of the way so that I can uh, maybe take a break from music for a while because I don't have a whole lot of other music topics that I feel like I can discuss right now without putting some more thought into things and because I'm not I am I love music I speak through music music speaks to me but music is personal to me and my favorite kind of music that I listen to the most is electronic music but I'm very careful not to say EDM I hate that term I'm not gonna tell other people that they can't say it if that's how you feel, if that's what's on your mind, if that's what you're familiar with, great. I grew up listening to what I call techno music, but I've come to experience that there are people out there who will quickly put their thumb up, their pinky up and be like, excuse me, it's house. And I'm always like, whoa, first of all, first of all, when I say techno, I know the difference. Because I know there are some people who use it as a catch-all, an umbrella. It means everything electronic. So, so that's why some people, as a compromise, try to come up with the term EDM, electronic dance music. But I also like a lot of trance music and some other some other types of music that aren't dance, but they're very electronic. But they're also not techno, and they sure as hell ain't house. Without getting into the who gives a shit history about the alleged rivalry between Chicago and Detroit, because I don't care. And I'm not going to get into the technical specifications of what allegedly, snobbishly, uh, some would say classify something or qualify something as techno, air quotes here, versus what other people would casually say no uh, and more accurately is house. Why am I talking about this and what, is, what do the two different terms mean? The reason why I want to talk about this is because, again, both terms are fairly broad. Uh, techno can be broken down into a lot of different types of subgenres, same as house. Neither of those are the same type of music. Neither of them are, you know, the true umbrellas. There's, they're exclusive. There's drum and bass. There's, um, you know, there's electronica. I, I, like I said, there's, there's trance. There's uh, dubstep. There's so many other different types of electronic Music. There's club music. There's trance music. There's new new disco. There's old disco. I mean, there's disco. There's funk. Uh, uh, you know, and, and and so 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 many others. I don't want to sit here and break apart. Well, if it has this many beats per minute, and if it has this type of you know uh, 
uh, time coding or whatever, or if it uses these octaves, or blah, 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 blah. I don't give a crap. I tell people I was a techno DJ. I used to produce techno music. I did not produce house music. I had one track that if you listen to it, I I did the what I called the, the you know the main I didn't, I mean, the, the main version. It was a techno. There are, almost all of my songs were techno. A couple of trance. I had I had techno and trance. I did a couple of drum and bass. I, I made an attempt at a drum and bass song. I made an attempt at a sort of ambient type of song, and then I, I dabbled. You know, I did an electron electronic boogaloo type of song too, electric funk. Um, now electric funk is a very specific type of electronic music, which there are some people who will point to a lot of songs that I identify as electric funk as examples of air quotes techno, whereas there are other people who will point to club music or dance music, just general dance music from like the 90s, you know, as quote unquote techno. Um, I remember getting into an argument with a kid one time over whether or not Ace of Bass was techno or not. Uh, that's an argument I don't want to rehash, and I'm not going to say where we where we landed on that because I'm not rehashing them, as I said. So, the first thing I'm going to go with is the why why do I care? This isn't just a broad general who cares because there are people who care, but the why do I care? The reason why I care is because I'm from the '80s. <laughs> I grew up in the '80s and the '90s, and I I was not uh, a teenager or an adult in the you know club scene in either Detroit or Chicago in the uh, late 70s or the 80s because I wasn't even a sperm yet. <laughs> so there's absolutely no way I could have heard the experienced that scene at that time. But I do know that when this uh, when the 90s started around when this when when the synth music took over the world basically everybody was 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 raving about techno this and techno that it was short for technologic is you know what journalists were that were, were using it as but there were other people who you know were quick to point out there's ever other different genres and all these other different things and i did make an, an attempt to learn some of the, the the distinctions but going back to that song i told you about i have one song that i made that was very much in my estimation based on what i my experience with the different styles of music was techno because most of my music I would classify as techno, and if you heard it, you would say, oh yeah, that's techno, that's not house. I did one remix, a house remix of that song, where I tried to make it sound like what I heard when when I heard the songs people called house. I would say, this to me sounds like house. Okay, so I'm going to make this song sound like that. I wasn't very successful at it because I didn't listen to as much house as I did techno. Sure, I did listen to some dance. I listened to a lot of club music. I listened to a lot of dance music. I did listen to some electronica. I listened to, uh, I'll just, I'm not going to classify pinpoint who's what, but I'll, I'll name off some of the more prominent bands or soundtracks or examples that I did listen to of different styles of music to kind of show you how eclectic my music was. Obviously, I had the basic, like, very broad overview I had, like I talked about in previous episodes, I had the jock jams, and I had all of those, like, dance, synth, pop, you know, club, uh, compilation. So I had like all the totally hits, totally dance hits. I had all of the club music 96, club music 97, club hits 90, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I had all of those like any like ultimate dance party, ultimate 
techno party or house party, trans party, hip hop party, ultimate country, blah, 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 blah. I had all of those ultimate parties. I had a lot of the now music. I had a lot of the MTV party that goes. On the surface level, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I'm just going to say synth music because it's not all synth, but I'm using that as a form of electronic music. There's a lot of electronic music uh, within that. So you have a lot of, you know, things. And then, of course, I had soundtracks. I had all of the Mortal Kombat soundtracks. And when I say all the Mortal Kombat soundtracks, I had the soundtrack to the Mortal Kombat arcade game. It had its own soundtrack, and it wasn't just the songs from the game. It was actual techno songs by the band Techno Syndrome that were, um, it was called Mortal Kombat the album, that were dedicated to each individual fighter in, in, in the game. So Goro had his own song. Sonya Blade had her own song. Kano had his own song. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody had their own song. And then I had the soundtrack to the movie, Mortal Kombat, the, the soundtrack. And then I had More Kombat, which was a sequel soundtrack to the Mortal Kombat movie. So you had Mortal Kombat the movie, or it was just called Mortal Kombat, 1996. And, or was it 95? Anyways, and then you had the follow-up, the part two soundtrack to that movie. I had that one. So that's three soundtracks. And then I had Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the soundtrack. And of course, I had The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions. I had um, the soundtrack to the movie Hackers. Um, and then I had some others, you know, and then I had a lot of CDs, individual CDs. So um, I had Technotronic. I had Egyptian Lover. I had uh, The Crystal Method. I had two, three CDs from The Crystal Method. I had three CDs by The Crystal Method. I had three or four CDs by um, Daft Punk. By the way, they're not my favorite. I'm going to put that out there right now. Uh, I did like the Crystal Method. I like the Crystal Method so much better than Daft Punk. I had the Chemical Brothers. Eh, not great, not bad. They had some songs. I had a lot of... I had one CD of Moby. I don't like Moby. Anyone who wants to talk shit about Moby, double thumbs up right here. I did not care for Moby. Ugh. Of course, I had three different CDs by Fatboy Slim, and I had several remixes of songs that he did by other people, because he was all over the place. He was all over the place back then. And of course, songs that he had that popped up on other soundtracks, you know, other movie soundtracks, you know, like She's All Bad, etc. Uh, examples. And he popped up in a Beastie Boys uh, compilation that I had, The Sounds of Science. He was on there. He, he remixed one of their songs, uh, Body Movement, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so there was a lot of that, and then I had a lot of, uh, you know, The Prodigy, uh, Orbital, um, there was uh, that song Insomniac, that was a popular song that I listened to a lot. Um, I can't remember the name of the individual that did that song. White Town, some people will say White Town, that's, that's, that's just pop. No, it's electronic, it's, it's, it's synth. Uh, I, I loved White Town. White Town was, obviously White Town spoke to me, Your Woman, that was a song that every time I heard it, I was like, huh, it's a guy telling this other person he can't be their woman. And uh, uh, hello, that spoke to me. I know it was like not politically correct or technically woke, if you want to go there. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that correctly. But, but it, oh, that whole CD just was fabulous. I loved every song on that CD. I still have it. Women in Technology. It's beautiful. Um, oh, I love that CD. And lots of other stuff. I can't even think of name of them. But I had the... You know, the surface level, you know, I'm quoting for now. I had the, the poppy stuff, too. You know, I had Ace of Base. I had Aqua. I had uh, FL65. I had CNC Music Factory. I had Black Box. You know, um, Captain Hollywood Project. Hadaway. 
I had their CDs. I'm not just naming bands. I had their full CDs. You know, Crush. That you know, yes, I dropped games. I love Jellyhead. Jellyhead is one of my favorite songs of all time. If I'm gonna sit here and make my top 25 list of my personal favorite songs of all time, Jellyhead is on that list. I listen to that song so stinking much. I bought the album. That you know, their whole CD. So there was a lot of bands like that, you know. Um, is it Labouche or Labac? I don't know. I've heard it said both ways. I'm just going to say it like that. I'm just going to put it out there. That you know, And then, of course, Real McCoy. I love the Real McCoy. Automatic Lover is, is also on that. Automatic Lover is in my top ten favorite songs of all time. It's also, I mean, it's Call for Love, Automatic Lover, I think is the full title. Um, well, that was like my first introduction to this like synth dance kind of music. So the thing is, you have two schools of thought, and this is what I wanted to tackle, because, like, most of what I class, what I just ran through probably isn't techno, even though a lot of it could be techno, but most of what I went just now isn't house either, but there's a lot of people who would say it's house, and here's the problem. We got to a point where people were so afraid of the word techno because they were offended that the word house wasn't getting used enough, uh, because there was two sides. They, they split, you know, they're the Detroit techno and the Chicago house. Uh, and everyone was all, you know, it was like a, I don't know, like, <coughs> everyone had their flag and everyone was just like, well, I'm this side or I'm that side. And so, because the mainstream media ran with, or at least the, you know, music media, you know, people would use the word techno was what, you know, MTV and everyone else. That's the word that entered the lexicon. So it became taboo to say techno within the inner circles of electronic dance music or electronic music or, you know, because it was like, no, you can't call everything techno. Here's the problem. People are so afraid to call because they, because they are so afraid that people call everything techno. Now they're afraid to call anything techno. And then the whole genre of techno has been erased. Because now people are like, well, I want to call it tech house. So you have a lot of techno songs. People will say, that's not really pure techno. And I hate that word, pure techno. Oh, which reminds me, I had pure dance. And th those ones were, they weren't bad. But a lot of times they were just like club remixes of popular songs. So they weren't really like, you know, dance songs or whatever. Um, but, by the way, when I said I had most of these bands, I had every one of their CDs. So, every, I had all three CDs that CNC Music Factory put out. I had all three CDs that Technotronic put out. Yeah, all, th I had multiple CDs by all of these people. If they had two, three CDs, I still, to this day, I have all of them on my laptop. Backed up to my iTunes. All of them, all of them, all of them, all of them. All of them. <sighs> I probably have 400 electronic CDs just electronic CDs of electronic music. And, and of course, I have some modern stuff too, like, you know, Dead Mouse. I have a lot of Dead Mouse. I have a lot of, um, what are some of the more newer ones I have? I know it's not, like, the same, same, same. I mean, it's more hip-hop-y, kind of, but I do have, like, LMFAO. I have some of them. Um, and I do have some, like, you know, uh, other stuff that's, like, newer than that, like, uh, Subfocus uh, and a few others like that. Uh, I tried to keep up, you know, uh, title, um, there's a few others, I can't think of the names, all of them, uh, uh, I can't think of all the names off the top of my head, Basement Jacks, I had their CD, they're, I classify them as newer, because they're newer, newer than the 80s, newer than the 90s, um, but people got so afraid of the word techno, it's, it became so taboo, that house, because people were so afraid that house was getting buried 
they swung the pendulum in the other direction and then they started overusing house to 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 overcompensate the overusage of techno. So then we got into a situation where nobody was going to use techno anymore. They had to they got all snobbish and said, well, it's tech house. Pure techno only could have been made in Detroit in 1983. And anything made after that couldn't be techno because that's outside the scene or whatever. Ugh. Fuck, you know, fuck off. If you're going to give me that. If you're going to be that fucking snobbish, fuck off. But then there are people who are like, okay, well, if everything can't be techno and everything can't be house then nothing can be techno and nothing can be house. So we're just going to call it all EDM. Oh God, I hate that term worse. It's not a better term. We don't need a catch-all term. You don't have to tell people you like electronic music. If you like trance, tell people you like trance. And if they don't know what that means, who gives a fuck? If somebody told me they like bluegrass, I'm just going to be like, cool. I don't know what that is, but cool. If somebody they t told me they like, you know, I don't know, fucking fairy folk music. I don't even know that's a thing, but if they said, oh, I only like fairy folk music, I'll be like, oh, great, good for you. I don't know what that is, but great, good for you. I don't care what you like. Like what you like. And that's the big thing of it. It's like, when I tell people I like techno music, I usually get two responses. Either one, people cringe and are like, ugh, don't you need house? Or don't you need EDM? Why don't you blah, 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 blah. And I get into those discussions. Or you get someone, like, whatever the dance music of the, of the, of the flavor of the week is. But, you know, like, when Electronica came to prominence, that replaced the word techno, and then everybody called, that wasn't into the scene called everything electronica. So we went for a phase where everything was techno, and then everything was house, and then everything was electronica, and then everything was EDM, and then everything was dubstep. There was one time I got into a conversation with somebody, and I said, I don't like dubstep. I don't. But they thought that I, that, oh yeah, and I started naming off, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, none of that. Nothing you just said is dubstep. Because that was, in their mind, they just thought that was the new snobbish word that we, because... You know, we can't call it techno, we can't call it hack, because the words change, you know, we just, we just keep changing the words. No, it's just we keep inventing new types of music. If you're going to get into the types of, different types of electronic music that are out there, I like techno. I do like some house. I like club music. I like disco. I like new disco. I love Kylie Minogue. I have everything Kylie Minogue has put out. Um, I like a lot of dance pop, and yes, I like a lot of pop, synth pop and stuff too, so I guess I like Britney Spears and Lady Gaga and stuff like that, but we're gonna get into like the actual, like, synth stuff, you know. I like the Crystal Method, they're one of my favorite ones. They are not house. If you tell anybody the Crystal Method is house, they're gonna look at you with a raised eyebrow and be like, what the fuck is on your brain? But I don't like drum and bass. I don't like dubstep, and I... <sighs> Whatever the fuck Moby is, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't even know what you want to call it. Then you have assholes who are like, what about trip hop? Oh god, it's exhausting. That's just fucking techno. It's electronic hip-hop music. It's hip-hop music that it's, it's t spinning turntables with a mixer. And it's spinning the beats, and it's making rap songs the same way they make rap songs, but with dance beats. And throwing a synthesizer on top of it. That's how you make techno music. That's trip-hop. That's what that... I hate that word, trip-hop. Because it's like, oh yeah, it's hip It's electronic hip-hop. Hip-hop is electronic music. In the tree of, of electronic music, hip-hop is a branch on that tree. It's electronic. 
it's like heavier bass riffs. It's like darker synths, if that means if that means anything. It's a lot more melodic in the in, in the in the in the melodies. It's a lot more like you know funk based, but it's still electronic. Fucking funk is electronic. What the fuck do you think of an an electronic organ is or a digital synthesizer is or a, a, a fucking electric bass guitar is? That's electronic. That's electro music. I don't like the term electro music either. So when I tell people I made techno music, I made fucking techno music. But I usually tell people I made techno slash trance music. You can call it techno trance if you want. Because I blended the two styles in my music. I had had songs that were mostly techno with a little bit of trance on top of them. My songs didn't have lyrics. None of my music had lyrics. Some of them have, had vocal samples. They were usually like royal, you know, they were royalty-free samples that I had legal rights to use because of my licensing agreement I had with my publishing company uh, because I went through the chains to do that because I had a record studio and I, I, I had an actual license to use music. I licensed everything because that's what you want to do when you try to sell things. Uh, so I had vocal samples, but I didn't actually have lyrics. I didn't have songs with lyrics, but... I know the differences. But when I'm talking to someone who doesn't, on a high level, I'm just going to say I like electronic music. And if you ask me which types of electronic music I like, I'm going to say everything except for drum and bass, uh, dubstep, and whatever the fuck movie is. <laughs> Pretty much everything else. Yeah, I can groove to that. That's not to say I can't listen to some dubstep. It's just whenever it comes on, I'm usually like, what is this? Moby? Go to hell, Moby. Just fucking please stop making music. Air quotes here. Music. Just, ugh. And I'm not going to say no offense if you like Moby. Look, if you like Moby, I mean, great. I don't care if I offend someone who likes Moby because I don't like Moby and I'm not going to say good things about him because to me his music's trash. And I'm not going to not call it trash to spare somebody's feelings. If you like it, like it. But in my opinion, it's trash. So I'm not saying you like trash. I'm saying I probably like stuff you classify as trash. But I'm not going to never call Moby not trash. I'm never going to not call Moby trash because his music is fucking trash. I can't stand Moby. Where do I fall? I mean, I, t I, I wanted to get this off my chest because I get so irritated by... I've seen Wikipedia articles where people go in and they change... You know, they'll take this is a, a, a techno band that, that calls themselves techno, that that has the word techno in their name, that is on a label that advertises it makes techno music, and then people will go in there and put like thirteen little subgenres, and each song is its own genre, and it's like no, 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 stop, stop, just fucking stop. We don't need seven hundred fucking subgenres. Hey, that irritates me because it's like. You have two songs that are identical, but this one's got a cowbell, and that one over there's got a fucking, you know, P.E. gym whistle, and it's like, ooh, because it's got a gym whistle instead of a cowbell. That's a whole new genre. Fuck off. Fuck off with that. So I'm of the mindset that it's whatever the fuck you want it to be. Call it whatever you want. I don't give a shit. But don't, don't ever fucking correct me if I call something techno, because the music I made, I call it techno. And if you have a problem with that, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Stay cool.
where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. So this is a new topic I added this week. It's a new segment I added this week because I really wanted to tackle it, but I also wanted to be careful how I tackled it. So I don't have a topic this week. This is just an introductory segment, kind of introducing people to, and you heard the little, the cute little music that I played up front to kind of set you in the mood and say, oh, nice, a new segment. Cool. Um, what is it? What is she talking about? So I want to talk about supernatural stuff. I want to incorporate that more into the show. I already talk about horror stuff and I wanted to have a comic book section it's itself but if i'm going to talk about comic stuff i'm going to just talk about it wherever it fits if it's trading card related or comic book related i'll talk about it in the toys toys and games section if it's a movie or a tv show i'll talk about it there if it's a horror comic or horror related thing like let's say you know chilling adventures of sabrina uh, watch it if you haven't wink wink ah, love that show uh then i'll say i'll talk about it in the horror section probably or maybe in you know, in the comic section or whatever, 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 whatever. But here's the thing. Um, I do want to have a supernatural section. Part of it is because I'm pagan. I was Catholic. At one point in time, I was Baptist. Before that, I was just witch. I wasn't even really Wiccan. Wiccan was a thing, but I just kind of practiced witchcraft on my own. Uh, I had, I shouldn't say completely on my own, but uh, yeah, I explored different things. And so I want to have a section... Because I have a hot topic where I just sort of pick something that's kind of newsy or controversial or, or important, and I try to talk about that. Uh, and then I wanted to have something that's more personal to me, because this whole show is personal to me. That's why my name is on the top of the show, you know. Uh, and I know that's bad SEO, and some people say that's bad branding, but it's not. I'm building a brand. You know, this is my brand. This is who I am. And being spiritual... Being fascinated by the supernatural is part of who I am. I'm saying fascinated by and being spiritual. Those are two things that are classifications of this, this who I am. At the top of the show, I showed you my goddess idol. Uh, it's the goddess Bridget, Celtic mythology. I believe she's real. I believe all of the gods of all the pantheons are real. I don't know how to reconcile the different pantheons. I do believe there's different dimensions in this world, and I know we know in science, physics teaches that there's a very prevalent theory that talks about many worlds, you know, multiple parallel universes, you know, Marvel and DC would call it like, you know, the, the different, I don't know, timelines or whatever, you know, Earth 616, etc., etc. Um, and so, you know, multiple realities, but that, I, I believe that probably exists. There's something out there. The universe is way too big for a single god. Because if if that god is that big, why the fuck does he care about this itty bitty teeny tiny little piece of sand and this great big giant ocean he made? I, I just don't know if I can fathom that anymore. The alternative that, like, you know, we're just, you know, light, you know, and we're going to flicker out someday, and that's that. I don't know if I buy that either. I'm not going to put my faith in science purely. I'm not going to reject science. But I want to talk about the supernatural. And we're not going to get into pseudoscience. And we're not going to get into... We will talk about, when the time comes, cryptozoology. And we'll talk about, you know, UFOs and aliens and all these different things. And I'm not going to get 
I'm not going to wade too deep into conspiracy theories, but they may they may come up. Uh, or at least some of the incidents. But what I want to do is each week I want to kind of dedicate a little bit of time to talk about something in the supernatural realm that is either of interest to me, or that I find fascinating, or I have had some experience with and I'm knowledgeable of. Keeping in mind, I am not NPR. This is not PBS. This is not a documentary. I'm not educational. This is entertainment. That being said, I will tell people my opinions. I will tell people what I believe, and you can take it with a grain of salt or believe what you want. I don't care. I will not force my beliefs on you. I will not try to convert anyone to anything, and I will not try to tear anyone else's religion down. You know? What I will do is I will pick a topic, and I'll kind of just sort of ramble on it, as I do with anything else, and just kind of say, oh, this is what I know of it, and this is my experience with it, and this is what I think of it, and kind of go around, you know, and see how things go. And if I have, you know, extensive knowledge on a particular topic and I want to share what I know, I might do that, keeping in mind I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, and I forget things. Sometimes I get to talking too fast and my mouth moves faster than my brain and sometimes I say something wrong, like I'm trying to say Nintendo DS and the word Wii U pops out instead and it's like, oops, but I don't catch it so I don't correct it. I listen to a lot of podcasts. It happens. It happens a lot. It's just a snafu. It's part of... You just roll with it and you move on because nobody's perfect. Ah! But some of the things I just want to kind of, you know, just a gloss, just like a broad overview, I want to gloss over a few things and just say here's here's kind of some of the things I want to kind of talk about and how you can kind of expect me to get into it. So I'm big on mythology. When I was a kid, I read every book on every mythology. So I read all the books on the Greek mythology, the Romans mythology, Roman mythologies, Japanese mythology, Native American mythologies, Celtic mythology, Norse mythology, all these other mythologies. I've I, I've read up on not extensively, but I'm going to talk about you know it's within the you know Middle Eastern uh, the mythologies, not necessarily Islamic, although you know somewhat in that realm. But the jinn or the genie or the you know some people call genie. Genies, the, 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 and, and the Americanized version, they're, you know, ghosts that live in a lamp, and you rub the lamp and it gives you three wishes, but in their mythology, it's a whole lot more than that. Obviously, I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, so I was very familiar with the more, you know, mythological creature that bears the same name and similarities to that, so I know surface level some of these different cultures. I'm not, I'm not a shaman, I'm not. Uh, you know, a priest or priestess or witch doctor or anything of the sort. I'm just a person who knows a little bit about a whole bunch of different things. I will talk about my spiritual journey. I may talk about I may talk about Hinduism and Buddhism and what I know about either either of those. Um, or I may talk about you know what I think about fairies and the different mythologies that have fairies or things that are related to fairies. I may talk about unicorns or which mythologies, you know, what about the different mythological creatures and all these other things. And I may talk about what I what I believe, which ones I believe are symbolic, which ones I believe were actual stories that are probably lost to time because of whatever reason. Maybe I'll talk about what I think about ghosts. Maybe I'll talk about what I think about, um, you know, spirit animals. Maybe I'll talk about Wicca, you know, what I believe of the different, you know, Celtic or the different you know, pantheons, even even my evolving views on Christianity and the Bible and its, you know, adherence. 
of various degrees. And maybe I talk about, you know, black magic or tarot or necromancy or well, maybe I just talk about crystal balls or whatever I want to get into. The point is, I want to add this topic, this segment to this to the show because I shied away from it. When I first, my very, very first pod iteration of this podcast, it was when I first launched it, it was called the Spider's Lair Podcast because that was my thing. I was the Spider's Lair. And then I rebranded it as the Dark Web Podcast, keeping with the theme that I wanted to be in that realm, you know, darker stuff, spiritual stuff, you know, witchcraft and mythology and fantasy and fairy tale and all this other stuff. But also, I was careful how I talked about things because, for one, I was a journalist. Two, I was publicly, I was in the closet, so I was publicly, you know, conservative because I was Christian and I, had been, I lived in a very conservative, very conservative part of Texas. And so I had to put on a front, so I had to walk the line, and I was very careful. Oh, well, I want people to know that I believe in the Bible, but I also want to talk about how, which parts of science I, you know, believe in because I'm not stupid and I, you know, don't believe that, you know, necessarily believe that the earth is flat when I say when I say, well, you necessarily think there's a possibility that the earth is flat I don't think it's physically flat but I do believe that there could be possibly a, a plane of existence on on earth that is a, a plane a spiritual plane of earth of existence that is flat that goes on and extends forever and forever and that may be where the different mythologies converge I don't know or the different pantheons converge uh, again I don't know uh, I'm not going to say I believe this or that, but I'm going to say I definitely don't believe, I, I do believe in science, but science can only take you so far. <laughs> There's a lot of things science can't measure, can't measure, and can't disprove. So science doesn't have to prove everything. It's not the burden of science to prove anything, and it's not the burden of science to disprove anything. Science is literally just observation. What can we observe? What can we study? What can we repeat? We The things we can observe, the things we can't study, the things we can't repeat, we have to go based on what information we can get from whatever source we can get it from. And there's too many commonalities for me to believe that none of it has any bearing. Am I going to plant my flag and say, I believe this? Yes, very, very much. Because I've never done that in any of my previous shows. I tried to do a segment when it was still the Dark Web podcast where I talked about mythological creatures and I would go through like, huh, I don't know, could they be real? Could they not be real? But I always walked that line. But that was before I could tell people I was trans. That was before I could tell people I was a socialist. That was before I could tell people that I don't. Uh, that I don't necessarily believe in that Christianity is it, you know. So, and that was way before I could tell people that I was a practitioner of magic, or whatever form of such. Do I believe in spirits? I'm gonna get that right out of the way. Yes. You can't be spiritual if you don't believe in a spiritual existence. If you don't believe in spirits of some sort. Am I going to define them or to argue with people? No, I'm not. Because it's a belief. It's a belief that cannot be proven nor disproven. So I'm going to hold on to it however I come to whichever understanding of it I come to. Do I believe in demons? That's a little stickier. That's what I'm going to have to get into. Do I believe in deities? Yes, with an asterisk, but I'm not going to get into that today. I'm going to kind of go along with what do I actually believe. Do I believe in magic? Again, yes, but there's an asterisk. Let me kind of elaborate as I go. So, what about the more pseudoscience-y things? You know, like cryptozoology, you know, like the Bigfoot or, you know, whatever they call it, Sasquatch, whatever, you know. The Yeti, 
the Loch Ness monster, UFOs, aliens. Um, what are some of the other ones that people like to talk about? That's that's the big ones, right? Those are the big ones. Um, I'll tackle those on a case by case basis. Those aren't necessarily supernatural to me, but they fall into that realm because I believe there's something there that I want to kind of get into when I get there. And the reason why I want to say it that way is because I think there are different realms and I think certain, I think it's possible, I'm going to say possible, certain creatures, entities, whatever word you want to use, could possibly be cross-dimensional and maybe they can't cross into our dimension all the time or all the way. And so that could be an explanation for what we see sometimes. Like maybe Sasquatch is a creature from another dimension. Maybe it's a subhuman. Maybe it's a proto-human. Maybe it's a you know a, an evolved form of human or some other kind of creature, alien, whatever. And it is walking through a, a rift in time and space, and it, and, it, and, it, and it pops in for a few seconds, and then it gets sucked back into its dimension. I, I don't know. I've watched a lot of Doctor Who. I don't know. You don't know. If you're going to tell me you know bull fucking shit, you don't know. You don't fucking know. You're not God. You don't know. You believe and you hold on to your beliefs and then you'll, whatever it is you believe, you'll, you'll plant your flag in it and you'll stand on that hill and you'll say, this is what I believe. Bang your chest. You know, great, good for you. Believe whatever you want. Don't judge people for having different beliefs than you. I know very intelligent, well-respected people who believe in ghosts and talk about UFOs and all these different things, and some people will just roll their eyes. There are people out there who believe every word of the Bible is true, even though every word in the Bible contradicts every other word in the Bible. I'm not going to attack the Bible. I'm going to uh, eventually I'll tackle religion and I'll talk about my current and evolving views of Christianity and my current evolving relationship with the Christian church and the Christian God and the Christian mythology. Uh, but for now, I think that's enough. I think that's a good introduction to what I want this topic, this segment to be. Knowing that next week, I want to talk about ghosts, because I was going to talk about ghosts this week. That was the topic I had planned. But I wasn't prepared. And so I want to come back to this when I'm a little bit more prepared. So, give me a few minutes, and I'll be right back with this or that. Stay cool. <laughs> oh, guess what time it is. Guess what time it is. This or that. Ha ha ha. This is the fun little wrap up for the show. And I'm excited because this is going to be one that I am just so giddy. I love video games. I love Nintendo. I love Zega. Oh boy. So today, as chosen by y'all, the Patreon supporters, so, uh, before we can get into this, let me tell you how you can participate in this poll. Go to patreon.com slash stephaniebree. Actually, I think it's stephaniebree22, but uh, try it either way. I Here, I can pull it up. Ah! I should be looking at it before I say it. <laughs> it's really easy to get there. So, you can go to patreon.com and let me... Uh, Type in Stephanie. Okay, it's Stephanie Bree, so it's just my name. <laughs> so you go to patreon.com slash Stephanie Bree, and if you do that, you will get 
a you'll get access to fun stuff so I have a poll in the poll I ask my patreons uh, what should be the topic for this or that now you can get other fun stuff like you can get the episodes early I record these on Saturday or Sunday I upload them on Sunday so if you have patreon you can get the you can get them on Sunday. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Support, love it. Uh, otherwise, you can wait all the way till Wednesday because you know that's when it goes public. You could also get the full video podcast on Patreon for a small contribution, and that's okay. Make a small contribution, you get the full unedited video podcast with all the fun little music bumpers in between segments. <laughs> you can't get that on the YouTube version when I cut the, had to cut it into little segments because copyright strikes. Ugh. But um, also I break it up into smaller chunks and I upload segments to YouTube. I don't upload the entire podcast. I only upload the intro and the hot topic and one, one topic from throughout the week. I was uploading the whole show, but I'm on a laptop that's going to die. And so you get the intro, the hot topic, and one of the other topics, and then maybe this or that. I'm not going to give you the whole show. If you want the whole show, go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Green. I promise eventually I'll have that memorized. But this week we're comparing Mario, Jumpman Mario, the mascot of the Nintendo uh, Company Limited, uh, also known as uh, Nintendo of America in North America, Nintendo of Canada in Canada, NCL in Japan, uh, Nintendo Company Limited, that's NCL, Worldwide, they're just known as Nintendo. And we're talking about Sega, their mascot, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> we're going to compare the two mascots, as we do every week on this or that. You get ten categories. Ten categories, and we compare them head-to-head -to, -head to determine who gets a point. If they get a point, I give them a check. If they didn't get a point, they get an X. That basically means they didn't cut it in that category. So first up, we have character. Are they recognizable character? Are they? Do they have personality? Do they? Are they? Okay, when you see them, are they more than just a few pixels? Yeah, Mario is very well defined at this point. I gave him a check mark. I love Mario. There's so many different games that feature Mario. So much different media. So many different representations. Some of his personality traits kind of go back and forth, but for the most part, he's fairly well defined. Same with Sonic. Sonic is very well defined. People know who Sonic is. They know what his characterization is. They know what his, you know, they know the story. It's pretty good. So I gave him a check. What about friends? Each of these characters has a pretty good cast of friends, right? Supporting characters. Mario's got a ton of friends. He's got, you know, Yoshi, Peach, Daisy, his brother Luigi. He's got Donkey Kong. He's got you know, uh, Diddy Kong, if you want to go there, you know, uh, so many other friends, Toad, <laughs> lots of different Toads, but also Toad, Captain Toad in some respects, eh, you know, he's got lots and lots and lots and lots of friends, highly recognizable, almost all of his friends have their own games, Yoshi has his own games, Peach has her own games, Toad has his own games, Wario has his own games, Luigi has his own games, Mario's got friends, and his friends have got friends, and they're very, very well known, Sonic, uh, Mario gets a check, absolutely. Sonic, I mean, he does, but they're not very well defined. There are a lot of caricatures, and there's a lot of... I, I'm a big Sonic fan. I read some of the comics. I watch the cartoons. I play most of the video games. Outside of his core, you know, Tails, 
Amy Knuckles. The rest of his his that's that's his core friends. The rest of them are, I don't know, this thing that one the other. It's a rotating cast of who's and what's. It's not very well defined. Each cartoon has its own cast of characters. Each game has its own cast of characters. Yeah, Knuckles is fairly well recognized among gamers, but outside the gaming community, people know Sonic. They don't know any of these. They don't know any of these other characters. He gets a check. I'm sorry, Sonic. You don't have your friend. You don't have the friends Mario has. Mario's got Daisy. You don't have anything. You don't have a Daisy on your team. I'm sorry. What about games? This isn't who has the better games, just are there games worthy of a check? Do they have good, playable games? Mario's got, I mean, he's the definition of a quality video game. When you're trying to tell people, when you're introducing people to what is good gameplay, how do you define good gameplay? How do you describe good gameplay? You play a Mario game. Whether it's on the NES, you've got the three mainline Mario games, Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3. You've got some side games like Wrecking Crew. You've got, you know... He's he's in Donkey Kong Jr. I mean he's kind of the bad guy, but he's in it. Uh, and then you've got some, you know, you got the original Mario Brothers. It's on the NES too. But then you got you got lots of games. Super Nintendo's got games. Uh, Super Mario RPG. Uh, Super Mario Kart. Super Mario World. Super Mario Three Yoshi's Island. Uh, he's in. He's got games. Mario sixty four is a fabulous fucking game. One of the greatest games of all time. Mario Sunshine, Mario Odyssey, Mario blah 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 blah. It's new Super Mario Brothers. They're all good games. Sonic, no, Mario gets a check, absolutely. Sonic's got great games. Sonic's got a lot of great games. Now people are going to immediately realize, ugh, his games aren't as good as Mario's. This isn't about which whose games are better. To get a check, you just have to have, you have to be passing in that category. Sonic is passing. Sonic 1 is a good game. Sonic 2, Sonic 3, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic Spinball, Sonic 3D Blast, those are all good games. Sonic Adventure, that's a good game. Sonic Adventure 2, that's a good game. Sonic Heroes, that's a good game. Shadow the Hedgehog, eh. I like Sonic and the Secret Rings. I like some of the other Sonic games. Sonic, I think there's uh, Sonic Unlimited, I can't remember all of them. Sonic Generations, I like that one. Uh, there's Sonic... Episode 4, or Sonic the Hedgehog 4. Sonic Advance, the Sonic Advance games, I like those. There's, he's got a lot of good games, too. Sonic's got some good games. Yes, he's got some stinkers. So does Mario. This isn't about who has the better games. Obviously, we're trying to pick out which one comes out on top, but there's multiple categories. You can't just say, oh, this one has the better games. Because in my opinion, the Sonic the Hedgehog games on the Genesis are better than most of or better than, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of the, uh, the Mario games. Now, Mario's got games that are better than Sonic. Sonic's got games that are better than Mario. I think they both get a check. What about variety? Well, you got Mario Kart. Mario's in uh, all kinds of sports games. I can't list them all. He's in Smash Brothers. He's in all, all kinds of 2D games. He's in 3D games. He's in RPGs. He's in Mario RPG. He's in uh, Mario and Luigi Saga games. He's in the um, Donkey Kong Minis, March of the Minis games. Uh, God, there's so much variety in Mario. If you can think of a type of game, Mario's probably in it. He definitely gets a check. 
Sonic. Oi. Does he get? Does, he's got two D games. He's got three D games. He's got a. He's got a couple of board games. He's got some sports games. He makes appearances in some Mario and Sonic and Olympics games. But Mario's name comes first. Mario gets first building. Those are on Nintendo systems. So those are Mario games. I'm sorry, Sonic's just a part of them. No, Mar Sonic does not have good variety. His sports games are not great. There's not that many of them, and they're not well known. His racing games are. Bleh. Sega makes great racing games, but their Sonic racing games are just forgettable at best. They're not. They're not Mario Kart. They're not. They're not Mario Kart. Sonic the Fighters, rubbish, garbage. One of the worst fighting games ever made. Not just one of the worst Sonic games ever made. One of the worst. Excuse me. Sonic games ever made. No, Sonic does not have good variety. I'm sorry. I love the little blue guy, but no, he does not. What about cultural impact? Mario is ubiquitous with video games. He is the face of Nintendo. He's Mickey Mouse for Disney. You know, he's their mascot. He's more famous than he's more recognizable than Mickey Mouse. He's huge. Mario has had a big impact on our culture. You start humming that theme song, do 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 do. You're not gonna get it out of your head for the rest of the day, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Sonic has not left his mark on the world. Even Sega gamers are kind of like, oh, come on. Well, you're, you're either a Sonic apologist or you're one of those, like, a Sonic realist. There's not any wiggle room. I'm a realist. He's got some good stuff, but, I mean, come on. Outside of gaming, who, who knows who Sonic the Hedgehog is? Only people who were gamers when they were teenagers in the 90s. They grew up with him. They knew him. They don't know him. They Those people passed on Mario to their kids. They didn't pass on Sonic to their kids. No. Mario gets a check. Sonic gets an axe. I'm sorry. What about music? Well, music is pretty fun. You know, video game, I hum that theme song. Mario's got some pretty recognizable tunes. You know, the original Super Mario Brothers tune is going to get stuck in your head and it's going to stay there. It's classic. It's going to get stuck in your head and you can't get rid of it. But dude, aside from the nostalgia and the fact that it's a classic fucking tune you can't get out of your head, it's not a good song. It's not, there's no rhythm, there's no beat, it's just doo do 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 and it loops over and over and over. It's, I mean, it's iconic, sure. We, we, we hum it, we, we chirp, we, we dance, I mean, we dance, we, you know, kind of groove to it when we hear it. Now, Mario doesn't have good, good music. His music is not even memorable. The original Super Mario Brothers theme is memorable. All the other themes, I can't hum any other theme from any other Mario game. Dr. Mario, to Smash Brothers, to Mario Kart, to Mario Tennis, to Mario 2D, 3D Land, World Odyssey, none of it. Because it's forgettable. Mario's music is forgettable. That's the freaking facts. Sonic's music is jamming. I can still hear in my head the theme song to, to different Sonic games. Not just one or two, but like different each individual. I can hear in my head. I can't hum it because I'm not good at humming. I can hear in my head the theme song to Sonic the Hedgehog one and two. They're a little bit different. I can hear in my head the the battle music to when you get to the boss fights. The difference in the boss fights in Sonic one, Sonic two, Sonic three. They each have different music. I can hear in my head the the music playing in the background of Emerald Hill Zone in Sonic one, or 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 
Mystic Cave Zone in Sonic 2, or the, you know, the, I would say Mystic Ruins in uh, Sonic Adventure. Sonic's got some good music. The one area that the Sega Genesis was better than the Super Nintendo was music. Now, people are going to argue, oh, the Super Nintendo had blah, 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 I don't care. The Sega, Sega made better music than Nintendo. That's hands down. That, as far as I'm concerned, that's indisputable. Sonic gets a check. He has some rockin' fucking tunes. Mario gets an X. Aside from that one iconic tune no one can get out of their head, I can't hum any of his songs in my head. I can't even hear them in my head because they're so stinking-ass forgettable. It's the same tune. It's just remixed over and over and over. Sometimes it's sped up. Sometimes it's slowed down. Sometimes it's reverse. Sometimes it's got reverb. Blah, 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 blah. It's the same stinking tune. It's just... Oh, you're going to say, oh, it's classic. I don't care. Classic isn't the same as rocking, <laughs> jamming, awesome. What about longevity? Since he was introduced, Mario has had a new game every single year since he has introduced. There's not been a single year go by that we haven't had a new game featuring Mario. He has definitely got some longevity. You could pretty much practically say the same thing for Sonic. Now, I say pretty much and practically because... There's a few examples where, I don't know, does that count? Sonic's not, I mean, he's still around since his introduction, and that's the thing. There hasn't been a period where Sonic was forgotten and brought back. There are others who, like Mega Man, he was done, he went away, we forgot him, they brought him back, we remembered why we forgot him, and then we forgot him again because he needs to be forgotten. We didn't forget Sonic. So they keep making games. So I think they both get a check. They both, they're both lasting. They're both sticking around. What about tie-ins? You have the video games. But what else do you have? Well, Mario's got that movie. <sighs> I mean, most people are going to give it a thumbs down. He's got that cartoon. Again, eh, I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not great. I know it's got three different iterations, but it's, ugh, it's exhausting. That cartoon is like You've got to really suck on the nostalgia tit to get anything out of that game. That cartoon. He's got a CDI appearance. He's got Mario teaches typing and, and similar ilk on retro PCs from back in the day. I mean, do you want to classify that as variety? Go right on ahead. We're talking tie-ins, right? Not variety, but tie-ins. None of that's any good. None of that's any good. What about Sonic? Does he have good tie-ins? Yeah. He actually does. I mean, that Sonic movie, it's Jim Carrey. What am I going to say? I'm not going to even say another word about that. Uh, oh, he's got, he's got, he's got some good tie-ins. He's got some great cartoons. Mario's got some cartoons that we ride the rush of nostalgia, but Sonic's got some great cartoons. We're not talking Sonic Extreme or anything post that era, you know. Uh, but, Sonic the Hedgehog, that's known as by the fans, Sat AM, Saturday morning AM, morning cartoon. Sonic is a pretty good show. Sonic the Hedgehog, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, that's a pretty good show. You know, okay, yeah, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog is kind of goopy, but it's still funny. It's still fun. It's entertaining. It's a notch above the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I say a notch above because the Mario show is kind of inconsistent. Is it a live action comedy? Is it is it a cartoon? It's a lot of fairy tales retold in Mario dressing. Oh, I mean, come on. I don't want to see that. I want... No. No, I didn't want to see that. In that movie, Sonic at least has a good movie, whereas Mario 
currently cannot say that. So no, Sonic gets a check. Mario doesn't. He gets an X. I'm sorry, Mario. You have got to do better on the tie-ins. What about Tude? Sonic was created for the Tude era. The attitude. You know? Mario was the play it loud. Nintendo was advertising play it loud. That was the Super Nintendo. That's when Sonic came out. Sonic, Sega came out with the 2D era, and, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog led the charge, and, and Nintendo responded with Play It Loud. So does, does Mario have the 2D? Does he have the 2D? Mario, in the movie, he's got a little sarcasm, but that's not 2D. And the Super Show, the cartoon, the, the various cartoons, he's, no? He's kind of a... He's kind of a lame superhero, if you think about it. He's not very good. He needs a mushroom or pasta to be useful. Otherwise, he sits there complaining how hungry he is the whole stinking ass time. That's not Tude. That's grumpy. That's a bad attitude, I guess. It's a mood. He's got mood. Does he have Tude? No. Sonic is all Tude. Sonic was, was created to be Tude. He launched the Tude era. I mean, the whole 90s 2D era was, like, made for Sonic the Hedgehog. He was born in that. Mario was born in a different time. No. No. Uh, Mario gets an X. He does not have the tube. Sonic has the tube. What about mascot effectiveness? Is Mario an effective mascot? I mean, if I say... Name me three things you know about Nintendo. Okay, they have Mario, and you've already answered, you've already proven my point. Yes, Mario is a fabulous fucking mascot. He's on everything they do. Is Sonic a good mascot? I mean, is he an effective mascot? Yes, because he's the only thing keeping Sega alive. He's literally the only thing keeping Sega alive. He's a damn fucking integral part of the company. If they lose Sonic the Hedgehog, they go out of business. So, yeah. Yeah. Sitting here looking at my list, I gave Mario one, two, three, four, five, six, seven checks, and I gave Sonic one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven checks. We have a tie. That's a draw. Is that is that do you feel that they're 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 literally equal? Is it like this one has some areas that it's 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 better? Absolutely. The other one has areas where it's better. Oh yeah. I think Sonic Sonic is Sega's more risky with Sonic. They will try things. I didn't even talk about the comic books. Sonic's got great comic books. I didn't talk about them on purpose because Mario doesn't even exist. There's not a comic book out there that features Mario. He's, he doesn't exist in comics. Sonic has got some great comics. Sonic's got a lot of good anime. Mario exists in one really weird, obscure anime you have to kind of look on the dark web to find, practically. A challenge. <laughs> someone, someone. And then you find it and you're like, what the fuck was this? Sonic doesn't have that. Sonic's got some great fucking anime. They each got their strengths. Mario, for the most part, has better games. Sonic, for the most part, has better everything else. Um, or in some respects, other, other things that they're better. 
are they great? They're both great. I mean, we're talking 10 out of 10. They're both 10 out of 10. These are awesome freaking guys. Each one is carrying their respective companies. Now, Mario, fortunately, doesn't have to carry the whole company by himself, whereas Sonic does. But Sonic's... Think about it. Even though Sonic's got a lot of stinkers, he's still that good when he's good that he can carry Sonic even though Ernest Sega he's not always as good as as you want him to be because when he is good he's that good he can still carry Sega that's impressive that tells me he's still pretty good because if he wasn't he'd be Capcom he'd be Bomberman he'd be Mega Man he'd be like oh yeah he'd pop up in Smash Brothers and he'd be like oh I forgot about him they still make the, they still make Sonic games no you would have forgot about him. He wouldn't have got a live action movie with Jim fucking Carey. <laughs> Come on. A sequel. They're making a sequel to that live action movie. And it was successful from what I understand. Would they have made that movie if Sonic wasn't anything? No. And that movie was a success. And Sonic is awesome. I love Sonic. But I love Mario just as much. And I, I, I was fair in my categories. Uh, now you're probably thinking, you put Toot on there. How fair is that? Because Sonic was created in the Toot era. You can't talk about Sonic without talking about Toot. And he's got the Toot. Even today, he's got the Toot. Mario doesn't. So is, is, is that fair? I It's a fun game. I had fun. I hope you had fun. I, I, I can't say one's better than the other. I went through the categories. I gave him. I gave him a fair score. I was honest. I think they're cool. I think they're both cool. Speaking of cool, why don't you stay cool? And I'll be back next week. By the way, if you can't get enough of me and you want to read some of my uh, some of my columns or articles, go to stephaniebree.com. And if you want to tweet at me, go to stephaniebree22. If you want to check out my pictures, you can get me on Instagram. And I deleted my Facebook, so I'm long gone. Ha ha ha! It's not there anymore. But other than that. Yeah, stay cool.